Today on our show, we are counting down the top 10 films of 2023 with special guest Jason from Binge Movies. What up, dog? Let's hit it, Polly. Welcome to episode 457 of the Countdown Podcast. My name's Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the show. We count down stuff in order of awesomeness so you don't have to. And today, one of the big episodes, arguably the biggest of the year for two reasons. One, we talk about the very best films of 2023. We do the ying to last week's yang, the Mm -hmm. worst films, Mm -hmm. which also gets a lot of downloads because people like to hear us crap on things. But not today. Today, we talk only positively about our own lists and throw shade at the other lists, including, of course, then... The special guest who joins us all the way from the last video store in the universe. Mm. The man who has this year inaugurated one of the greatest horror films of all time, Hellraiser 3, into his vault (laughs) to be preserved for all times beyond the end times. I am, of course, speaking about the cultural podcasting icon that is Jason from Binge Movies. Welcome, sir, to the show. You left out a few things. (laughs) Yes, icon. But also, living legend, main event, and... (laughs) The whole damn show. The Jason whole binge movies. damn show. I, I do You're apologize. contractually obligated to say that. I did go Or off the best script. show on God's green earth. There you go. It all, it all comes together beautifully when this man joins the countdown. It's been a year. You were here for this last year, Jason. Mm-hmm. It's become a small tradition, long to be preserved, yep. we hope. Again, beyond the end times. And yep. it's just long enough you've forgotten what the pain was like being on the show last time. All so right. thank you so much for joining us today. What is new? In your part of the world, what things do our listeners need to know about binge movies before we uh, weigh into these lists? My absence was just long enough for my loins to begin to lust once again. Of course. For Wayne. <laughs> Wayne. I'm glad to hear it. How you been, good looking? How you been, handsome? Chilling like a villain. You know how we do. How about yourself, my man? Oh, Is, uh... my God. <laughs> Sexier <laughs> than ever. Smoother than silk. Well, twice as cool. Not quite. Fine wine. Thank you, Paulie. Um, (laughs) Let's talk 2023 very briefly. What was it like as a year in film for you two gentlemen, Jason? How would you you rate the year that was 2023? I thought it was... um, The bell curve wasn't as high, but I Mm -hmm. thought the median was higher, if that makes any sense. Like the top wasn't as high, but the low wasn't quite as low, and the median was much higher. Mm, okay. Yeah, I, tracks. I would have to say that it's a little different for me. I was trying to put my list together, and typically you have 15 or 20, and then you call it down to 10 and whatever. I had a little trouble getting 10. Wow. So that's wow. because... But here's what it is, folks. It's all that he watched 23 films. Shut up, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> but also, yes. <laughs> we used yeah. 10 of them last week but on the worst that, list. That's quite accurate, yes. <laughs> No, I don't have the whole like the the lexicon that Paul has with his having watched every movie since the beginning of time. However, oh um, no, no, that's, no, that's no, 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 Paul, no, hang on, <laughs> Here we go. Wait, Paul saying... does not. No, hang on, Paul. <laughs> Paul watches five hundred dog shit horror movies. Oh yeah, no, per that's year. true. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I should mention. And yes. then a thousand more movies that he's like, well, I watched this twenty years ago. I might as well just log it. He's not watching them in real time. He can't fool me. <laughs> I, I take it you'll He's like, oh, I remember other. seeing that, I think, one time on a plane 10 years ago. Yeah, I saw it. And he loves it. <laughs> Ridiculous. That's not true. Popping up anyway. the numbers. Uh-huh. Okay. Kaiser Soze, my ass. <laughs> Love them up. 
yeah, look, I, I tend to agree with Jason that I think there was lots of... This was a pretty good three-and-a-half-star year overall. There was lots of three-and-a-half-star films. Yeah. And a couple, though, that do rise above that absolutely for me, which I'm looking forward to talking about at the top of my list. And then, yeah, the bad. there were some bad films, but last week's show, there weren't thousands of bad films, if I can put it that way. So, yeah, I, I'm in the middle there. Wayne, just because you, you, you don't remember me, but I do remember you. I remember I you, motherfuckers. <laughs> I know that your taste, like you like a lot of comic book movies, and I will say... That if you're a comic book fan, 2023 is probably not a great year. Would for agree. You. So Would I agree. could see, yeah, 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 I could see it being hard if that's if that's one of your preferred genres. It was it was a rough year. You know, I was hoping that you guys would because like <clears throat> my issue is the ones that really blew up this year, the ones that are on everyone's lists, are not on my list. Ooh. So I'm really hoping they're on at least one of your lists. If you don't have my number one on your list. This show might be coming to a premature end. Okay, I, I, again, we, you've only said that a thousand times. <laughs> the thread eventually begins to ring hollow. <laughs> Twice an episode. But I'm, I mean, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything here, and I don't want to jump ahead. But Wayne, have you seen Hellraiser three? <laughs> the one he's probably picking. If not, you should. It's really important. Oh, All right, then. Look, let's get into a very short version of a segment which kicks off most every episode. It's called the recount. Who wants a recount? Who? The recount is our mailroom poll. What's up? Well, you mentioned blowing up Wayne, and right? During the week, and this is fortuitous to have Jason on the show because he's another another individual, another podcast would like to be able to crack the code. Well, you did. You oh. cracked the code on how to influence the entire world yeah virally very random random like act so um, explain <laughs> what this is for jason and okay the listening audience because so in our facebook community like 40 people only saw this exactly on a whim i i posted this video of a clip of an old elvis movie where a young young kurt russell kicks him in the shin at his request it was just uh you know hey can i hey kid you want to earn a quarter her, her. you know whatever right and then it was just kind of, mm -hmm. oh, that was funny. I, I, I get the video. I post it on there. I put a little caption saying, remember the time Elvis paid Kurt Russell to kick him in the shin? And then I wish I had put a logo on something. I didn't use any hashtags, nothing. At this time, I believe we're at, how many? 1.7 million views. Which is like, what? <laughs> 22.7 thousand reactions, three and a half thousand shares, and some... I can't even see the number of comments. It was something like 850 comments yeah. on this stupid reel. And the thing, you know what? And we started getting ping. Oh, I don't know what you are. I got oh, my phone ran out of batteries. Yeah, ping, 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 ping. We got all the people um, talking about shit. And it made me realize what an evil place the internet is. All it is, oh my God. is dickheads giving shit. Elvis was a pedo and this was a that. And then other ones he like, what are you talking about? a 14-year-old girl. Yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then, it's like, and then they're, they're shitting on each other. And then they're shitting on each other's, like, what they said. And then they're trolling each other now. And I'm like, so you fuckers got nothing better to oh. do? What the fuck is no, wrong with you worst. people? I know, right? Yeah, I'm like, the, the internet just, yeah. it's amazing, but it sucks too. There were some, so, there were some, uh, yeah. some appropriate comments, like someone's like, so Kurt Russell has been awesome forever. Got it. You know, like those kind of comments were, were couple pretty of cool. those, but mostly dickheads. Mostly sniping. dickheads, which I'm not going to get into any more detail no. than that. Just wanted to sort of have a bit of a laugh by that, but also want to draw your attention to the one person who bothered one out of that <laughs> 1.7 million 
view. And by, and by the way, uh, the Facebook followers on the page went up by about 700. So there was some good There you go. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, look at that. So we need to probably follow up, as my wife was suggesting, and put some more content out there now. There's a few more people. Oh, no, we're doing that. We're doing that. But um, Yeah, correct. Yeah. So I can't even remember the gentleman's name because I, I just took a, a snapshot of this. Oh, no, I do. David Roosin decides to write to us. Because, of course, your comment says, remember when Elvis paid Kurt Russell to kick him in the shin? Right. He writes back, remember when we used to use question marks? <laughs> oh, my wow. God. And you know what? I'm a stickler for grammar as well. This is just that I was learning to use the, the type text tool. Hilarious. Um, wow. Okay. People, yeah, see? people, you need to have more things to do with your life. Yeah, really. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> Anyway, so there you go, Jason. So just put something up about Elvis and watch the exactly. watch the world explode. Elvis, Kurt Russell, you're gold. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. That's the formula. I'm going to do it. I'm desperate. I'm desperate for downloads. I'll do it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it translated to about zero extra downloads the day it all went viral. Too, I'm but, sure we went but anyway, uh, look. So thank you for that indulgence. That was good fun. Well done, Wayne, on, on cracking that code. Let's do it then, and let's not even bother going into music because that's just another song I have to find. That's right. Jason, as the guest, <laughs> as his tradition here. Straight over to you then. What is your 10th best film of 2023? And how much is Wayne going to love your choice? (laughs) Wayne won't like it, but Paul, I think you will. It's a little film called When Evil Lurks. Oh, yeah. No. All right. Tell me about this movie, you bunch of freaks. There's no point in praying. Residents of a small town in... Argentina, Venezuela. Where is it, Paul? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's set in Argentina, but don't don't quote me on that one. Mm -hmm. It's set in a world where demons actually do exist evil is an actual sort of tangible consciousness entity the devil is Mm. real but it's slightly different than it's not it's like quasi judeo-christian but not really it's like kind of like an alternate world and it's just kind of a de facto part of their life but the way that evil spreads is like evil possesses somebody and then that person becomes pregnant with evil and they give birth to oh like an antichrist figure or whatever but if you try to kill whoever the evil is in without following the exact right ritual, which is not an exorcist, it kind of is, but isn't really. It uses like um, like astronomy tools and like this weird technology and a little mm-hmm. bit of mysticism. Um, the evil then spreads, and it actually will curse plot of land, it'll curse a family, and it. So that is essentially what happens. There's this inciting incident. Someone in this area comes under the spell of evil, unexplained as to how or why. I I don't want to spoil it because there's some twists and turns throughout, but it is an attempt to stop the spread of evil. But obviously, the more people that it comes in contact with and the more people who panic in the face of it, the, the stronger it becomes in this area. And it is one of the most unrelentingly brutal, violent, gory, depressing tragic <laughs> mm-hmm. movies really? uh, you've ever seen yes heroin um yeah and it's is it is it a foreign film yeah directed by damien rugner who did a great film t- t- six years ago called terrified which is also very scary but probably i'll get into why it is on my list obviously just cracks yours top 10 jason which given the number of movies you watch yep. is, is a pretty good effort i really like this movie i like the world building in it because it just gradually spools this information out to you it doesn't just yep. dump it in you know text on screen at the start you've got to work it out as you're going and then there are those moments you talked about yep. there where which really do get under your skin and will leave you kind of uh, someone one of our podcasting friends described is you need to watch something light after watching this movie you can't just go straight into something else Very much so. dark because it's really deep 
weighs on your soul. Is that kind of thing? Wayne, you would fucking hate it. Oh, yeah. no, it was, would really get under your skin, I think. Absolutely. If it's getting Very under much. both your stalwart skins, I am completely done. Um, I'm amazed you guys have the resilience to watch something that gives you the shit. <laughs> but the, so one, the one thing about the film, <laughs> we, you know, although I think 2023 might be the year where we have to reverse this, I think this is a film that needed another half an hour. I felt like we just we were just getting into it and I wanted so much more and you could argue that's the strength of the film but it felt like it jumped over some things yeah. that I could really have used and that's why it didn't end up absolutely knocking it off the top and being right on my list but it's a little bit higher on my list as we'll hear in fairly short order but yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a slower moving slower moving movie and as you're watching it you're thinking okay how close is this to our world because it looks and feels like our world, but as they say, you know, as they get little details in conversation, and again, the genius of it, to Paul's point, is that it's not, there's no real exposition dump. I mean, mm -hmm. there's maybe one kind of towards the end, but it's more like if you were, if you were people and you were living in a semi-rural area on the outside of a town, uh, and this was a evil possession, this sort of stuff was a real part of your life, how would you talk about it, right? Mm. And so they talk about it as sort of matter of fact and, and kind of in half sentences because they, they this is their experience. They know what this world is. And so we have to piece it together. That makes it all the more interesting. And yeah, it's a it's a really solid film, really great film. It is, it's not an easy watch whatsoever. It's an ex And the thing is, it, it's all a cover to be an examination of human nature. And that's... It has a very grim look, uh, yeah. outlook on human nature. So it's a great, great way to describe it. Wow. All right. From Jason's number ten to my number ten, this is the most recent film I watched. So even though it is technically, it came out last year. So I've you know been trying to cram in as many films as people were saying, listening to a lot of podcasts and their recommendations for the best films of the year. This one surprised me. I was halfway through it. I'm like, this is good. It's well acted. It's not really striking me in the way that perhaps people are suggesting it should. But by the end, I was on board and uh, it really, really impressed me. It's not my kind of film generally, so prepare yourselves for surprise. It's The Holdovers, directed by Alexander Payne. Holy shit, Devolvers. Oh, wow. Tell me about it, please. Yeah, so this is basically follows... Uh, what I like about it is it really effectively evokes the 70s aesthetic. It's set in the 70s. It's set somewhere in a New England prep school. And Paul Giamatti is this kind of bit of an asshole history lecturer at this school and... People don't really like him and he doesn't make any effort to be liked. He's just really good at his job and he's a really good teacher, but he's got very high standards. Anyway, through a set of circumstances, he has to look after the holdovers. So all the, the boys go home for the break to their family, but there's five of them uh, who I get stuck there, including one kid who thought he was going home, but then his mum sort of pulls out the rug under him from uh, the last second. He's played by Dominic Sessa, I believe his name is, who I think is like a first-time actor who was pulled out of some drama class. Incredible. And he's astounding. Paul yeah. Giamatti won the Golden Globe for Best Performance in a Drama quite recently. He's incredible. Just give him all the awards now. Between those two. And then also, uh, Devine Joy Randolph won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress in a Drama for her role. So it's basically the three of them by a certain point in the movie. And it's how they connect and grow as people. And yeah, a bit of a journey. It's really kind of mostly focused on Giamatti's character and his sort of arc, but... The other two are really caught up in it, particularly the the young kid. So, have you you've obviously seen this one, Jason? I have. Yeah, it 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 doesn't make my honorable mentions. I think it's one of those ones that Fair would enough. grow on me next year, but I still give it four stars. I think if I revisited it next holiday season, because I I, I couldn't get to it in theater, so I got to it after the holidays, yep. and it, it felt kind of like out of sync. So, I think if I saw it during the holiday season, it might be a five star or four and a half star movie. I might bump it up. Uh, it's still by the end. It won me over. Exactly. And, yeah. Um, 
it's it it surprised me how much it won me over when it ended with that there's that particular scene that's so just subtle it just really affected me you know that office scene and his Giamatti's yep. speech in the office mm-hmm. and then and then him and the boy at the with the at the trailer and I was just sort of like damn this works <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so, great the, fur- film. the further the film went the better it got for me and again I want to emphasize yep, how well tough. Alexander Payne does with it sort of shot in four by three formats that really grainy kind oh, of old yeah. 70s film stock or at least that's how they present it and the most subtle bit of CGI I think that I've seen not subtle don't know how they did it. They give Giamatti's character a lazy eye through the whole film. And it's incredibly distracting, yes. but it's so effective. Really? Yeah. So. He's a national treasure, Paul Giamatti. Like, for, for that, the, I don't know, because I love Billions. I love that TV show. And, like, just watching him be, like, a DA after doing a role like that, it's just nuts. Um, so, oh, okay. Well, we got an invite to that one. We never went to it. So, whoops. Sorry. Yep. Uh, but we should have, I guess. We have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that's one of ten holdovers. Wayne. Fantastic. I. Only just saw this film quite recently as well. It is called Bottoms. That is my number. Really? 10. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, I was on my top ten last. All year. right. Didn't now, love it. <laughs> didn't love it. I didn't at love all. it. I knew you wouldn't, and I knew, and that's why this is my number ten. Jason, did you see it? I did. It it it, it is just misses the cut. I don't right. laugh at comedies very often. I laugh my ass off. I laugh my ass off too. <laughs> so what it is, folks, is that this is like the lesbian R-rated book smart, if you ask me, right? Because it's about like these two, shall we say, unpopular uh, young lesbian women in high school, and it's kind of like they're 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 struggling for you know whatever popularity or so on. So they decide to start a fight club in school. In order to get these two particularly hottish, whatever they say, women uh, who are evidently straight. What's what I like? I don't know. Here's the thing. Initially, when I looked at it, and I imagine this is how Paul went with it, right? It's really weird because the movie itself is playing this very specific note where everything is like a joke. In terms of like the school principal on the loudspeaker calls them, you know, ugly lesbians report to the office. And the principal says, fuck this. And everyone's, everyone is cursing. And no one seems to bat an eyelid. No one's really acting appropriately. So, all oh, right, it all makes sense now. Well, hang on. <laughs> but like, if you do, like, <laughs> it's one thing for the for the leads to be like weird and like out there and the the focus of the show. But then for the entire movie, like everyone in the whole movie is mm. in on that joke is a little unusual. And I had to like go, uh, okay. And then it took about maybe I don't know twenty minutes into the movie. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just gonna accept that everyone is weird. Like everyone is playing melodramatically. This is how it works. I don't know. I've never you you see movies like um like that Seth Rogen one, um, super bad and stuff like that. We see like, young loser dudes trying striking out with women and their shit and they do dumb stuff and that I've never seen young women do that to other women. And frankly I found it oddly comforting. <laughs> to be as you know, to see people as poor with women as me. It's quite uh-huh. like it's quite uh, it's, <laughs> And it's girls, you know what I mean? Like, got no reason. I, was like, well, I, I, I kind of dug the whole thing. So it was, it was a latecomer for me. I was like, oh, I kind of like this one. Uh-huh. You obviously did not. No, I, I, my wife and I watched it together. We were both, like, looking at each other going, this is meant to be funny. Yeah. yeah. I, so I, I just I've, missed it for us. I've heard that about this show. It's, like, a very specific. It's, like, you either get it or like it or you don't. And it's that kind of thing. I can see that. It's a bit of a Marmite film. Marmite film, film But yes. clearly, Jason is on your side of this divide. My man. <laughs> I spread it all over my toast with a slab of butter right in the middle. I thought it was it was it took me a while to like get it. I'm like, what the yeah. hell is this? Because it was mar- it was marketed as like a straightforward like book smart meets fight club comedy, not this absurdist, it's so over the top. It's almost 
it's like a it's a parody of super bad with lesbians in it basically Agreed. and if you understand that that it's sort of taking the piss out of fight club and super bad and all those sort of male toxic sexuality movies yes. or you know, toxic toxic masculinity movies and they give you like toxic femininity <laughs> it is like very insightful yeah and very funny i i don't yeah i thought it was very funny for a studio comedy yeah and uh, odd, it, it, it took me a while to get it but once i got it yeah it was funny agreed bottoms ladies and gentlemen it's right. on my bottom of your list yes yeah okay well done that was not a stretch at all all right Jason, <laughs> you're number nine this is maybe the second least of the entire franchise. Hmm. It's a franchise that is near and dear to my heart, but it is still uh, basically due to two sequences, maybe even one. Hmm. One of the best pieces of action cinema I saw all last year. And that is Mission Impossible. Uh, what the hell's Dead that? Reckoning Part One Point Three. Yeah, yeah, Dead Reckoning Part One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colon um, impossible. Hyphen Dead Reckoning Part shut One. Up, <laughs> Isn't the core premise after the initial opening? Uh, I thought the core premise got unnecessarily convoluted. Yep. And I thought the just calling it the entity was kind of weak sauce and and like <laughs> what what is what department is Kittredge in and and they make it seem as if. The impossible mission force has only ever been Ethan. Because, like, when things go bad, we call this one guy. But that doesn't make any sense. He was just some guy who worked for the impossible mission force. But Tom Cruise, who normally has no chemistry, at least hasn't had chemistry since the 80s with his female leads, has actually some really good chemistry with Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell is a good actress and a smoke show and is totally game for everything they throw at her in this movie. Um, the car chase scene in Venice, especially Great. in direct competition and contrast with the exact Boss same scene X. in one of the worst movies of the year. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> it was like, oh my Boss God, X. this oh, is how on. you do it. Yeah, this is how you fucking do it. And um, yeah, it, it, it's not, it's a, it's a weak entry into the series, but it was still one of the best action movies I saw last year. And for like the sixth or seventh or I think, or maybe even more Mission Impossible movie, the fact Seven. that they're still even this good. Uh, it's is kind of incredible. astounding, really. That's what yeah. got me. Like With like, a geriatric. Not- Tom Cruise is old as fuck. Exactly. <laughs> if, you're still, if you're doing anything near that shit at his age, well done, nice life. That's what you're doing, all right? But like for me, this... Yep. Although the, the the problem with this movie is that it's not the last one, <laughs> the last one that did the, the, yes. the Henry Cavill Fallout. one Fallout was so good I want to shit yeah. my pants, and then yep. this one here comes along and it's still yep. good, but it's just not that one. And what happened as well is that everything's hanging on that one stunt, right? That they they promoted it with with the yep. jumping yep. off the cliff, yep. right? And that yep. was still yep. great, and I still had an amazing time with it, and I love how the end of that stunt culminated in the smash into the train, but. Just the expectations were so high, and then you've got like these yes. other movies that are yeah. competing that were surprise hits, and yada, you know, it just didn't work. It didn't come off as well. It is still very high on my list because I still love this franchise, and like you said, it's still good this late on. That never happens, man. Usually, it's Fast X styles. No. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, your point. The the movie had the burden of following three or four of the movies before, which were in the mm. middle of this series, yeah. which were basically like three or four perfect action movies Absolutely. that kept getting almost better and better and better and better. And so then when you put out one that's just, that's not excellent, it's just good. It feels kind of mid. But if this were just a one-off action movie and part, you know, part two were coming, I think we, I think we all would have liked it a lot better. But because Absolutely. the standard is so high for Mission Impossible, it did feel a little bit like a disappointment. 
Yeah, I agree. If I can build off both of your points there, because it is also on my list, and I might as well just reveal it now because it's going to come around. It's my number eight. No. So very close to Jason again. Agree with everything both of you have said. The two things I want to highlight are one, Tom Cruise, despite being that near geriatric, unlike Liam Neeson. <laughs> yes. And who are we talking about last week who, who also just can't move anymore in that way? Stop fucking make, casting him like that. Denzel. Denzel, yeah. Unlike those two, he can and does move like a man who can do the things in this film. They shoot it well enough and he is that physical yep, enough. Yep. He can pull it off and that is no mean feat. And second of all, you both spoke about or mentioned the car chase or you did, Jason. I think the train sequence at the end is one of the best action set pieces, probably of the year, but also even of the franchise. That last 40 minutes or so, yeah. 30 minutes went on the train and he's battling his way through it and then they're dangling and they're mm. falling and they're catching. And that was so exhilarating and left that film on a much better note than it was otherwise going to be for me. And that's why it elevates it into the lower echelons of my top 10 of the year. Very nice. And the hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, I wasn't on board initially and then I see her in the film and I go, oh, I get it. But you love Rebecca Ferg Ferg. I do love Ferg Ferg. So like the, it, it did me a bit dirty on that one. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they did her character a bit dirty in this film, but you know. You know, she had to go and make that bloody silo thing or whatever. So yeah. All right. So yeah. Nice. Thank you. All right. Okay, well, that on. sounds like we'll see how high it goes on Wayne's list. My number nine then. I don't know where, how this is going to play, but I have to admit was thoroughly entertained. It was the best Advanced screening went to all year way in terms of the production of it all. It probably didn't hurt. But I found this film legitimately funny and it had a whole heap to say. It was fantastically entertaining. I'm talking Barbie. It's my number nine. Wow. Really? I don't know what Jason's reaction Jason, is Jason, tell us. Jason. Much much higher for me. Okay. So it's on your list Oh as my well. God. All right. Good. I want to tell you something real quick, Paul. Before no. you talk about this, right? I thought to myself, you know, this movie did a billion dollars of business. 1.5, I think. 1.5! Yeah. Um, I need to go look at it again. So last night, Paul, mm -hmm. or yesterday, rather, I go and I watch it again, right? And I start skipping through it. And what <laughs> so we you didn't watch it again, you skipped through it. Well, I skipped through the, <laughs> the, the, the women talking parts. The, um, oh. the <laughs> <laughs> so you just went to the Ken parts? Pretty much. <laughs> No, 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 no. You, you, I think you proved shit, the thesis of the film. <laughs> that is no, the, no, no. That's the greatest thing ever. Shut the podcast down. Why? Holy fuck. Why would you listen to anything else? Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> Is this that like after the open rig bit? <laughs> we froze it our end on camera too, which well, with a with a pensive look on Wayne's face, <laughs> belying what was about to come. Well, we slayed Jason, so that's that. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's right, like now we, we've got like I was watching it and what we talked about when we saw it, right? Which by the way was the most impressive like Yeah, it was amazing. Um, uh, event we'd been to because everything was pink. It was a huge thing. And then the set design and everything was amazing. All of the execution Production of that was designs. wicked. All right? yeah. The idea that she doesn't really drink, but she drinks. And then the, all of the ideas were there. But I think it just wasn't for me, is the thing. I was sitting there going, I want this to be, you know, and there's all these good points being made. Got nothing to do with the chick talk. Just saying. <laughs> just, right? Well, you wouldn't know. You skipped it. Well, I saw it first time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, please tell us what you guys liked about it. <laughs> Hard to follow, hard to follow that, but I do need to try to rescue things please, here. Please, please. There's a whole heap to say about obviously women's role in society, and they do. I don't know how they do this masterful job of 
keeping the comedy going, but at the same time letting these strong thematic moments come through so that everyone feels like there's something here. You know, people like Wayne get very <laughs> very attached to the Ken character and, and the arc that goes through there. And then people who have some semblance of normality <laughs> will also appreciate what's going on for Barbie and her crew throughout this one, as well as, of course, America Ferreira's character. So there's but, a lot here to dive. I'm, I'm giving you shit. No, 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 no. But may I observe, though, that in, I think the, one of the points this movie is making is that in the Barbie world, it's actually the females that they are the oppressors. Would you not say that? And then Ken has to go find the real world where it's the other way around. Then he brings his doctrine back to the Barbie world and fucks takes all over the shit world. Up. <laughs> right. So I don't know who's the good or bad guy here, but, you know, like no yeah. one tried. It's just that the women had the opportunity to be the oppressors. And so they did. No Jason, why <laughs> No, I don't think I, I, that last part. I don't think Wayne is too far off on. I think that's the point of, you know, Ken's entire identity was as an, all the Kens was, were as an accessory to the Barbies. They weren't real people; they were accessories. Uh, this movie would have been much higher and was much higher throughout most of the year. It just so happens as we got close to the end of the year, I saw some some movies that supplanted it because mm-hmm. I thought they were f- more fully formed. I was the exact opposite of think of of most people, which was, I thought this movie was brilliant. I mean, truly, I thought some of the, not the direct speeches, but the layered, the unspoken stuff that was just in there, the subtext, I guess, is what you would say. Mm-hmm. I thought was actually brilliant. Greta Gerwig's one of my favorite directors, and Noah Baumbach's mm. kind of hit or miss for me, but mm-hmm. uh, the two of them together, I thought they were doing an excellent job. I thought when it got to the Ken stuff, I don't know if it was the text or if it was the poor performance, I thought it was so Homer Simpson level <laughs> stupid that I found no, almost no humor in it whatsoever because I thought it was so beneath the rest of this movie. I thought yeah. just like gay panic jokes about jerking each other off was so crass and stupid. It was like you had this brilliant, it was like they didn't have confidence in Barbie. They didn't have confidence in this being the movie that they wrote and tackling these heavy issues with wit and with um, intelligence that they had to just like, Oh, every once in a while throw in a fart joke to not make the audience uncomfortable. And I don't think it needed it. I thought they were hitting it. I thought, I thought they were getting everything across and the audience was completely bought in. I don't think you needed this guy just to be a complete empty headed fuck. And I, other than the, dance sequence the like when it goes into full musical which i don't typically like those me neither but this was funny berkeley ken sort of musical piece that was good but when it was just like well the joke was one joke that ken was a fucking idiot and it was like okay well we got it it was just that same joke over and over and over again and him in the real world i thought was just completely unfunny i thought the the mattel stuff was Mostly that, unfunny. That I would shit. agree. I would agree. The Mattel stuff, stuff is garbage. The Will Ferrell stuff didn't need to be there. Will Ferrell portion, yeah. yeah. Take, the take that whole story stuff line out. She's like yeah. the ghost of Barbie's creator and how they bring in you know the, the sort of odd legacy of what does it mean for this consumer product to be at one point kind of a feminist yes. ideal, but the times change and it becomes a piece of oppression. Like just stick with that. You're, you're knocking out of the park, right? You're, you're winning hearts and minds. Don't just jump back to Will Ferrell doing stupid hijinks. It's just, so overall, I really liked the movie. It ends up much higher for me. It's going to be my number six, but Ooh. it's, it was probably my three for the, for the year, but it just, it got knocked down because the more I thought about it, I was like, there's a lot in here that doesn't work. 
So, nope. and all jokes aside, I think the fact that you were willing to go back and watch it again to see, like, you know, yeah. I think that's really, really speaks to the film as well. It's appeal. Like, yeah, it's very broad. It's a good point. It's done a really just, good job. So, I almost think it was yep. like a, yep. a marketing triumph. This movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. We, got, we can't very mention much this. So. There might yeah. be another film coming on some of the, some of the lists, which was the flip side, of, well, not flip side, but joined at the hip of this film. And mm-hmm. those two films are the biggest uh, hits of the year. So, totally. I won't mention it in case it does. Come up. Just in case. All right, that's my nine. Therefore, Wayne, over to you. Uh, I'm going to surprise you and maybe some of you out there, Paul. My number nine is a horror film. What? Well, but you wouldn't call it a horror film. It's Megan. No, it's a horror film. Yeah? Okay. All right. I know. So here's the thing. I went because Paul forced me. And then, (laughs) like every time, (laughs) yes, we go to a damn horror film. And I'm like, okay, what is this? Whatever. You know, even the trailers and stuff, it's like, oh, it's a it's a robot doll that becomes evil and fucks you in the ass or whatever, right? So, like... <laughs> right now. <laughs> Can we differentiate, Wayne, it, a plot description would with your fantasies? Would it be evil, though, Wayne? Would it be evil or would it be... It depends if she uses spit or not. The point is, oh. if we... If we... <laughs> what? God no. God damn. Hot damn. Uh, anywho, um... <laughs> But what got me for the, the film Rest is <laughs> the reason it's on my yes. list. Yes, is uh, is that all all these ones that you make me watch? Often a horror movie doesn't successfully make the deal with the audience to say that this is a gag. Here you go, just have just enjoy it. Megan, on the other hand, actually has the way that they play the character, the way that they play this entire thing happening. There's enough side and in jokes to make you go, oh. This is, I mean, I know it's funny, I know it's supposed to be sort of a joke, but in a way that doesn't take you out of the actual film, you're still in board or on board with the characters. You still like, I, I still had a good time in this film, and I didn't, I That's couldn't believe that I did. Yeah, okay. Like, it's I was like, surprise oh my God, factor. this was actually good. Why isn't this more well celebrated? I think it did quite well. No, it did very well, and there's a sequel coming, Megan 2.0. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's fine. But yeah, there you go. Megan, my number two, three, ten, nine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> A little glitch myself there, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, uh, Megan fan, not a Megan fan. I liked it. I thought the rated R cut was even better. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, okay. There's a rated R Yeah, cut. if you haven't seen that, Paul, yeah, there is. If you haven't seen that one, it's the exact same movie. It just has blood and gore in it and has some pretty decent practical gore. Um, and so I think even some practical blood. Cool. Um, All right. the, so, I, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it was a solid movie. For I might sure. skip through it. Yeah, just for the gore part. Yeah. All right, then. So that is Wayne's eight. Jason, no, nine. Wayne's. (laughs) It's catching. It is catching. Over to Jason for his number eight. My number eight is a John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein surprise sleeper movie that was a massive flop uh, Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) Honor Among Thieves. That's my number eight. This is one of those. Look at that. This is one of those movies that I thought these trailers. They look good, but they also kind of look terrible. I don't know which way this is going to break. And I took the risk, and I saw the movie, and instantly, when they're doing the the meeting before the prison parole board, yep, long sequence, and then they're waiting for Jonathan, waiting for Jonathan, and there's no other plan but to then hijack this bird creature <laughs> and jump out a fucking window. <laughs> I was like, okay, if this movie can mostly maintain that energy – this is going to be enjoyable. And I think it mostly does. Agree. I ended up, there's some dodgy special effects and this and that. But it was one of those movies that I instantly enjoyed and kind of became an evangelist for. Uh, I was like, when it came out on um, streaming or 
Blu-ray. I was like uh, suggested to people that we watch it. Watched it again. I enjoyed it just as much the second time. I don't do a lot of revisits for new movies. Don't have time. And I don't yeah. really have interest, even if I like a movie. And I enjoyed it just as much, if not like a little more the second time. I thought it, I thought everybody was so game. I thought it completely delivered. I thought this was unironically some of the best work that Michelle Rodriguez has done in no doubt years. No doubt, boo. Because it, it, it plays to her strength, right? It plays to her strength, which is like, I don't think she knows what jokes are. <laughs> so if you just have her be like Drax from the first, uh, first movie, then she won't know what a, she doesn't know what a joke is. So it makes her funny. And Chris Pine is charming as shit. The whole crew is great. Hugh Grant's have the time of his life. Some heartfelt scenes uh, that mostly kind of work because it never went too schmaltzy. Just a hell of a good time at the movies, man. It's a sort of movie, like a mid-budget adventure film that's just kind of fun and has creativity behind it. We j- and all the practical creature effects, like when they went practical with the suits and the... Oh, I thought it was just great, the creatures. And, it, and like, it's an IP movie. Most of those suck. Yes. So the idea that they took an IP movie, had a bunch of references in it, I'm not a D&D guy, nothing against it. I didn't I, I, I didn't need to know those references to enjoy the movie. Agreed. I thought it was perfect. Maybe uh, uh, Paul's a former D&D dungeon master. Yep. You think it's non-canon shit, but for me it was great. No, he got them all. I, I really enjoyed it. No, I understood all the references and I liked it, but not, clearly not as much as you two did. So I know, and I remember Wayne was much higher than I was. So Wayne, why is it on your list? It's basically a comedy. And it was like, uh, um, yep. I, and I don't know that I expected that particularly, but Chris Pine is... I mean, let's just talk about this charming motherfucker, Chris Pine. Okay, here we go. He does, <laughs> he does Captain Kirk, and not in a William Shatner way, and it still works great. All of his other stuff, amazing. He even made Wonder Woman better. I, I love me some Pine. Jeez. All right. <laughs> what? It's not a chick thing. It's just, it's just that you know the bad whatever. Okay, so but yeah, I so fast forward through all the Wonder Woman parts to get to <laughs> the Chris Pine parts. <laughs> Excellent. We now have a new gag oh, on the show. Good. Running good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what are you All do? right, good stuff. So lots of crossovers so far. So here's where we start skipping through the list a bit quicker because my number eight is Mission Colon Impossible Hyphen Dead Reckoning Part 1, yeah, as so mentioned. Uh, over to me? Yep. Okay. My number seven was Air. Seven? Air. Nope. Eight. Eight. Sorry. Eight was motherfucking Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, that's right. You did that. So, yeah. So, so now we're back, over back to, to Jason. Jason. This is where the controversy starts. Paul and Wayne are going to disagree with me, as will everybody else in the world, and I don't give a shit. Good. Number seven was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Death. Ooh, Damn. I see. I, 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 can't, I can't wait this to hear about this. This is Wayne's worst of the years. Let's this. go, players. Let's go. I, I want to hear it. Let's go. I need to hear this. The first 20 minutes is the Indiana Jones 4 we should have gotten. Exactly. Was it made of the best of circumstances? No, because it took $200 million of digital de-aging effect to be able to get it across. But it's the closest thing to a Spielbergian Indiana Jones movie. Somehow they got closer in that first 20 minutes than Spielberg did in his own last Indiana Jones movie. (laughs) Then the movie, I feel the rest of the movie... I view the movie not so much as like n- number four or number five. I view it as an epilogue. And if you were to read a bunch of adventure books and then there was an epilogue of what happened to this character, what was this character's last adventure? I think I thought it was remarkably true to the Indiana Jones character. I went back and rewatched the entire trilogy, which I have not done since my dad passed away because those movies are so synonymous with him. Yeah. I haven't been able to look at him. This movie reignited my love for those movies. 
I watched all four of them. Uh, well, all three. I skipped the fourth one. All three. Oh, no. All four of them. I skipped the, so you skipped through the yeah, good parts. I skipped Crystal Skull. I skipped Crystal Skull. So I watched all four of them in a row, and I thought, this is exactly where Indiana Jones ends up. In the first movie, he doesn't want to be a teacher. He doesn't want to live in the modern world. He's in love with the past in the 30s. Now it's the 60s. Now he's past his prime. Way past his prime. Um, he was always sort of a cynical character, sort of a sad character, sort of a downbeat character. That was that was his purpose. He was created to be basically George Lucas's version of James Bond, where he does these mm-hmm. things, but he doesn't mm-hmm. he he's he's a hero, but barely. He doesn't, you know, it's what Balak says to him when he's like, You're you're not that different from me, James. Just one more or uh just like you're one step away from the darkness, just like me. Like you're just a few steps away. He's the guy that gets drunk in the bar because he doesn't save the girl. And I thought, that's a guy who, if his son dies because his son is so much like him and the world doesn't care about the past all anymore, it, go, it only cares about the future, that's exactly where he would be. He'd be obsessed with the future. And if given the opportunity, because he still hasn't worked through his daddy issues and because he's just like his father, if given the opportunity, he would spend the entirety of his life in the past if he could. Books were just the closest thing, and tombs were the closest things to the past he could get. And if he could somehow open a door to the past, that's where he would want to be. And I thought he understood the character perfectly. I think the downside of the movie is it is the weakest villain in all of the Indiana Jones movies. And I think the casting was spot on. Making him a Nazi who's working for the United States is historically pitch perfect. That's accurate. That's what we did. It makes so much sense. I thought moments of his performance were incredible in particular in the hotel scene where he's mm-hmm. got the uh, bus boy from the hotel and he's like you know do you feel free like and he's obviously being a nazi to an african-american gentleman yeah, yeah. who's a veteran of the second world war i thought that was perfect it's just that the ending the payoff his comeuppance which all the indie uh villains get was not very fulfilling um, but ultimately when it all came together for me is when he's at the end, when he's back at his apartment, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who they made the most ingenious decision, which was, we're not making her the new Indiana Jones. We're not making her the new Mutt. We're not trying to replace Indiana. She's just this other character. When he's sitting across from her, and she's like, I brought you back because you need to be here. You need to live in the present. And he looks at her. Harrison Ford finally giving an actual performance in one of these movies. And he says, <laughs> for he says, for who? Because he's got nobody to fucking live for. But the movie doesn't leave us there like Star Wars did. And then he just dies and fades off into oblivion. He, The people from his past, there should have been a few more people there, right? They should have had a short round in the goddamn thing. But a few more people come walking in the door and he realizes, oh shit, there is something to live for. And, wh- and how, what's the last image of the movie is Indy's going to fuck and he's going to fuck with that hat on. And he grabs the mantle back and that's what it closes on. There's nobody taking this mantle. This is it. So should the movie have been so expensive? No. Should it have been shorter? Yes. Should they have tightened up the villain? Yes. But as an epilogue, it is the last Indiana Jones movie. It's the best possible version we could have gotten with a damn near 90-year-old Harrison Ford. And it totally washed away the stink for me of wow. Crystal Skull, which is an well, abysmal movie. Well, since we're talking about shoulda, all right? A couple of shouldas is how you make this movie good, all right? <laughs> One, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Don't make her some weird guy's niece or nephew or daughter. Make her Marcus Brody's daughter. He's been there the whole time. Wicked. Two, if they're going to go back in time by various means, you take uh, Hang on a second. Marcus, hang on a second. Marcus Brody would not have had a daughter. 
Let's just say he banged around London one time and some chick popped out. No Marcus thing? Brody is very clearly a homosexual man. Mm. Is he gay? So, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yes! Yeah. No! <laughs> yes! Really? Yes! That's the joke. That's the unspoken joke about him. Is He's it? a fop. He's gay. <laughs> yes! Oh my God, I've learned something on the show. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. I don't know Marcus like the dick. He's been gay for 50 years. Oh! Did he like Harrod? Did he like <laughs> Solid, maybe? No. Oh, okay. I don't right. think so. In but he, it's just the way he carries himself. Good point. Okay, yeah. the second thing that then, if, if Marcus does, in fact, not like women, then what you want to do with a movie that, that takes you back in time is, Indy, go back and revisit all your old movies, man! Take movie ba- Indy back to Raiders, do something there. Back to Temple of Doom, fuck Molarama to ass, all right? Or maybe not Crystal Skull, maybe you just cancel that one. And then, you know, even like, yeah. see his dad again. Oh, shit! That's what you do with that! You don't just leave him in Jesus. Town. Yeah, but then you're you're getting into like Flash territory. You got a resurrected yeah. Sean Connery. You know, it's like you're you're not the wrong. Already that big would have been great. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. if you back to the future, if you back to the future to it, that would be interesting. But then it becomes sort of James May Gold imitating Spielberg rather than trying to do something slightly different. And I thought that's why I liked the movies because it did go in some different directions and. By the way, this is the first movie that ac- actually recognizes voodoo as fucking canon in Indiana Jones. His first encounter with the supernatural was Molaram, and it's never mentioned again because Temple is a prequel. Except for here, where he goes through his adventures, he's like, I've been cursed by voodoo. And it's like, yes, it's ca- it's canon. Because <laughs> I love Temple of Doom. Cool, yeah. I love Temple of Doom, too. But there you are. We're alone on that All one. right, well, Jason, love that one. There's an impassioned defense of the Dial of Destiny, which Wayne has gone on record as saying is worse than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, yeah, I think it's the worst no. thing But, you know, to each their own. To to their own. Yeah, there you are. That's, no that's chance. Boils down to. <laughs> All right, my number seven, another crossover when evil lurks. Here's where it fell for me. Already spoken about that one. Wayne, yes. you did give us what your seven I was. Did, I Talk did. in detail about air. I shall whip through it, I think. Uh, it's air, it's Ben Affleck, it's, it's Matt Damon, and it's about the Nike company. Before it was a big company, they signed Michael Jordan, and then that's what actually puts them on the map when they start making the Air Jordan 1 to 7s or whatever. And um, why I liked the film was, first of all, the only. I don't really like sports. And I don't know anything about any sport except the NBA in the 90s, okay? For some reason, because Paul and his people were actually all shooting basketballs and whatnot, <laughs> I knew shit about, you know, Pat Riley and other people like that, right? And stuff. Other people like that. <laughs> right. and so I used to turn up at their games in a suit, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> and, um, but then the, the actual movie itself is all fully, like, look, nostalgia is a hell of a drug, okay? Because it's like all 90s music and 90s shit and 80s. stuff like that. Isn't that 80s? 80s? Uh, I think it's eighties when, yeah, but yeah, like the, when he, when Jordan joins, Jordan joins was yeah, late eighties, yeah. So, but I loved all the music and I loved the way that it was. Like, I I do tend to like these history of a company type movies, like Tetris and motherfucking Black. I know Blackberry, you okay. don't like it, but like, but I do like to see those things. And so this particular one was the best of that lot because I think it gave you the best. Like, you felt like you were in that time. Those of us who were alive in that time. Matt Damon in particular is playing this overweight middle-aged guy and he's doing it so well. But still you 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 you're behind him and you're like yeah he's kind of cool still. I really dug that shit. So, you know. Surprised I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah air. Loved it. Loved a little air. You like that one, Jay? I thought it was okay. Okay, yeah. That's where I feel. I think that's where most people think it was. And for me it was just like, nah, it did a little bit more for me than when we do it. So, yeah. That's my number 7. Air. Number 6 is then. Jace. Barbie, back to you guys. Oh, yeah. Nice. Okay. 
So here's my little run then of some of these horror films. And here's another one that I, I've never spoken about on the show before, which really surprised me when I, when I finally got around to it. Hulu last year, or was it two years ago, did Prey. And they dropped it straight into the streaming platform. And we all went, ah, that one should have been released cinematically. And here's Hulu's entry that I think should have been released cinematically this year. It's called No One Will Save You, directed by Brian Duffield. I like this movie. This is the successful version of Silent Night, Wayne. This is a oh. horror film with no dialogue that follows a young woman who lives on the outskirts of this town. She has been ostracised because of something she did in her past. Her parents are gone. They passed away. No one will talk to her. And that's the gamut of the film. So every time she tries to kind of attract someone's attention, they literally give her the death stare or turn away or in one case someone spits in her face type thing. So every time she tries to communicate about what's going on, which is an alien invasion film, no one will listen to her. So they literally don't let her talk. Okay. Yeah. And so the film's smart enough. Like, and it's largely just this one piece played... Uh, Caitlin Diva, who is a producer on the film as well, she's fantastic because the whole film is her basically alone doing it all on her own. And probably the one place that, again, a little bit like Prey where it would fall over if it was on the big screen because it's very cinematic, very cinematically shot, this movie, is the, the effects wouldn't hold up on a big screen. You could even tell watching on uh, on a smaller screen that these, some of these aliens are a bit CG, if I can put it that way. Okay. That's the one knock on the film. But otherwise, I didn't initially like the ending of the film, which I won't spoil, obviously, but... After thinking about it and doing a bit of reading about it, I decided that I think that really fits and it works really well. So couldn't fault it, and that's why it climbs as high as number six on my list. Did you see this one? I know Wayne didn't, but did you no. see it, Jason? Yep, really enjoyed it and agree with everything you said. Title again? No One Will Save You. No One Will Save You. Okay. Oh, interesting call. Yeah, so check it out if you're at all interested in that kind of thing and somehow it's passed, you buy. Sweet. Okay, well, my number six Yep. is a film that Paul and I saw this week. Even though it was released in 2023. Oh, That's right. right. My number six is Godzilla Minus One, uh, which is... Did you see this one, Jace? He has. Much higher for Ooh. me. Ah, good. All well, right. You two can geek out now. In fact, you can do that while I go and get a beer. Okay. <laughs> so, Jace and the rest of the audience, I find Godzilla Minus One... I didn't know actually what to expect from it. All I had heard on the line was that people were saying stuff like, it shames Hollywood with this and yada yada because it does all the things yeah, that, and right. you know and and typically I do not truck with these kaiju type monster monster films it's not really my jam I don't mind them but it ain't my thing yet we come along to this film which I learned very late in the piece that was actually a foreign film a Japanese film hence all the subtitles and whatnot and I did not expect it to be a drama I didn't expect that it was actually yeah. <laughs> about the people. It's about the folks in the film. And usually, with like a Godzilla film, you're like, let's see how big we can make Godzilla. Let's see how much stuff we can make him wreck. And then the people are just in the way and they're scurrying about the way. This is not that at all. In fact, it's one of those films that made me think, can you get Godzilla out of the way so I can understand what's happening with these people? And that, Isn't that something? It is, is it, so something. It is so something yeah. for, for yeah. a Godzilla film to make Godzilla secondary. And in fact, just like an element of That's the film. That's a bold call. It, I know. Well, that was the thing, though. And one, one thing that really got me was that the particular... I assume this was a stylistic choice because I, I, it, it looked very deliberate to me. The way they depicted and animated Godzilla was in this sort of suit-tronic kind of way. Like, it didn't uh, look... It's still, it's still a man in a suit. It's, yeah. it's still... Right? It is, isn't it? So it and yeah. it looked like that. And that threw back to those old movies where that's what it looked like. Yep. It looked a little bit half Morphin Power Rangers and half CGI. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's, but, that's damning with faint it, praise. It is, it is but, it, but in some way, it actually works. Because if you look at the, the creature, 
It's got obviously CGI to do some bits of it, but the way it moved, the way it looked, the way they designed it made it look like an old movie, but it was good enough to be watched now. Uh, I don't know. Something happened about that execution, which really got me. And I'm like, that was a good move. Whoever's doing this really knows what they're doing. And yeah, the entire story, everything, I really, I really got to me. I reckon Paul would tell you that they bitched out at the end. Oh. <laughs> right? I reckon Paul would say that, but a guy like me does not say that. I say, I want something to hang on to at the end. And I got me. So what did you think, Jace? Godzilla, appreciate it. Jason um, now stepping to the plate. Yes. I don't really care for Godzilla movies. I don't dislike them, but they're not my oh, favorite I thought you cup were of tea. Band, either, the, either the Japanese version or the American versions. Mm-hmm. Toho, though, has been doing something really interesting in the last, I'd say, I don't know, 10 years, probably since around Godzilla 2000, um, which is they've sort of been using Godzilla, bringing in an up-and-coming Japanese director, having them use Jap- Godzilla. And he's always been this way. Obviously, his initial he was initially a metaphor for atomic war and yep. the fallout from the U.S. bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki and atomic panic. But like the there's Shin Godzilla, which is all about Japanese bureaucracy. It's Ugh. all about like they they keep cutting away from Godzilla to, to argue about like what committees they're going to set up because and it's almost kept to a comedic effect. It's almost like uh, like a Kubrick film in a, in, a, in a sort of way where it's it's like you're faced with this horrible crisis and the government can't get out of its own way to even take action. And mm-hmm. I, this is obviously a modern viewpoint of undying loyalty to country. When does that become unhealthy? When does that become, what are the consequences of that? Yeah. And the main character, this sort of this sense of duty, this, which is a big yeah. thing in Japanese culture, obviously in Asian culture. When does the sense of duty go too far? Yeah, it's very critical right? of that, and right? This film, it's very, it's very much very so critical. Stupid. This was really stupid yeah, how I'm, our government handled things at the yeah. time. Yes, that's correct. That's cool. But presentation-wise, I saw an interview with the director where he was like, "We intentionally wanted to make it as modern as possible and modern in its perspective and sensibilities to interrogate ideas of Japanese culture, but at the same time, we wanted it to feel as much as we could." without it being like a gimmick, like a movie, like a Godzilla movie, like a classic one. So they intentionally designed the CGI Godzilla to be, to move like a guy in a suit would move. They intentionally went back, went back to kind of even the way the cities kind of look and they almost kind of look like miniatures at times, but they're not. They're, they're full blown CGI sets or full blown sets, but they wanted it to kind of look like they, so they, they kind of wanted it. They borrowed pieces and parts and elements from all of the different iterations of Godzilla to make the movie. And they borrowed a lot of Western cinema. They wanted it to really have a feel for totally. Western cinema. And in, in particular, Spielberg. And there's a lot of Jaws in the movie. Yeah, oh, man. It's such a Jaws Three guys in a boat and there's yeah. something in the water. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Then the, the ending, uh, which a lot of people don't get, is it's a tease that maybe this, without spoilers, this person is going to become something a classic piece of godzilla iconography a female piece of godzilla iconography so that's like a american sequel stinger because they're going to make another one it didn't, so, didn't bother me uh, didn't bother me even the title of godzilla minus one it's like we went he was like you know after the bombs dropped japan was not even at zero it was less than zero right i did wonder so about we're taking that. thank God, you we're, we're, we're taking Godzilla back to that time and Godzilla himself and the stories and the mythology and the lore, it's all going back to less than zero so that we could make a series out of these films. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see Mothra, wink, wink, and all these other characters start to emerge in new and interesting ways. 
Okay. So, nice. Well, I'm glad you two enjoyed it so much. Not it's on, on my honourable mentions. Honorable not, on my, not on my list, though. So, yeah, it was. I think the hype train was so low. I mean, so much so that it dragged us out weeks after it premiered here in, in Australia. And it's on one screen in our city. At 9.30 at night. At 9.30 at night, once a day. Oh, and when we yeah, went there... That's tough. When we went there, there was... Well, the cinema was like, was there hundred people in there? Yeah, Astoundingly like busy, given all of those all those parameters. So this is really doing well. And the budget Wayne was only fifteen million dollars. So oh wow! Put that incredible. in your pipe and smoke it. That That's that is absolutely incredible. Damn. All right, so that was your number five, four, six, six, six. So we're into the top <laughs> halves of the list, if I'm not mistaken, and we're going to Jason for his number five. Number five is the Iron Claw. Um, oh. I haven't come out here yet. Wrestling. Big wrestling fan. I won't dip into anything. I have been very familiar with the history of the Von Erich family and world-class championship wrestling and everything that befell these people. So the movie had no surprises in it for me. And in right. fact, they there's they do some things for dramatic effect to expedite the story. They combine brothers and flip around events. I lose a character. Collapse timelines. One, one of the brothers yeah. isn't in it, yeah. Well, because it would be even more depressing if that brother was in it. So right, they okay. had to put a limit on the tragedy because there's so much tragedy already in the movie, which is very true. You right. want to talk about a movie that will, if it affects you, if you do see it, will leave you, put, you know, it's left people in shambles. This is this is it. This is There's some bold choices that are made with the film that shouldn't work and work excellently. And so as somebody who was overly familiar with the story and was looking for okay, how are they going to do this part, that part, whatever. Eventually, I just stopped caring about all of that and really cared about these particular characters. Zac Efron gives the best performance of his entire career, should be Ooh. nominated. There's the, I think it should be at least nominated for probably screenplay, maybe director, if not cinematographer. It's an incredible film, best supporting. I think it should have gone to um, the guy who played um, Fritz, Fritz von Erich, who is Holt McCallany, who people know from Mindhunter. Um, oh, yeah. yep. it's, an incre- it's, it's an incredible film. Uh, it really is. So Okay. Well, does it outstay its welcome? Tells a story. Uh, also, um, Moira Tierney. Moira Tierney gives an incredible performance. I mean, this is an acting tour de force. So. All right. Well, I did put this on the, potentially put on the docket for Wayne. Wayne was like, eh, Well, so we got an maybe. event screening invite oh, yeah, to we it. We didn't go to, we didn't go to it. So, uh, sorry about that, folks. Uh, let me ask you real quick, Doug, um, as I intake air from Paul's beer belches. We oh, killing me. Woo. All right. Oh. Were you around during the WWF? Are you young enough? To, are you old enough to have been around during? That yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, who yeah. was your favorite yeah, wrestler? Yeah. Was it Hulk Hogan? Was it Mankind? What no no one's admitting that Hulk Ooh. Hogan is their favorite wrestler. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it not now. It depends on the era. I was a big Hogan. Was like the entry drug for everybody in the wrestling. He made it. Oh yeah, uh, mainstream essentially globally. So yeah, everybody was a Hogan fan at least for a minute. Then I liked Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior. I knew 90s, you'd like that guy. I don't know why I knew you'd like that guy. So <laughs> yeah, th- throughout cool. the '90s, I was a big Bret Hart fan, and then uh, late '90s, uh, my favorite wrestler was The Rock. So, the Rock, baby. There we go. Well, not d- not Dwayne Johnson. The, the Rock, Rock. 1998, 1999 Rock. Who, yeah, I don't really care for the gentleman today, but that persona, <laughs> that character, I very much enjoyed. I was a big Mankind fan too, though. Mick Foley, who I met, and he called me an idiot. So What? What, you what, met that what dude? did you do to earn <laughs> being called an idiot, Jason? <clears throat> Nothing. I met him at an event in 2003 or four called December to Dismember <laughs> or, or December to Remember. Uh, it was an indie promotion. He was the special guest referee. 
in a match with Jimmy Superfly Snuka, who had just had stomach <laughs> wow. cancer surgery. Just thinking about that guy. Later, di- later discovered to be a murderer. Um, really? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's well, a story. A movie. That's a, they could make a movie out of Don't Superfly. Too. <laughs> had a chance to meet him after the show, and I had a photo of him, a Polaroid with him somewhere. Uh, that's a old. That's how long ago it was. And um, I said, "Hey, man, I just want to let you know, like, I did a lot of kind of crazy stuff uh, in the backyard." <laughs> inspired by you and he looks at me he's a tall dude i'm i'm six back then i was six four i'm six three and a quarter now he's easily we're eye to eye and he looks at me and he goes you don't know the difference between me and you and he's got this he's notorious for being a very kind and generous man like just being a saw like a teddy bear like he is beloved he's got an amazing reputation and i'm like what and he goes I got paid and you didn't, which makes you an an idiot. And he walked away. <laughs> Never meet your heroes, yeah, exactly bro. what was in my mind. Well done. So, all right. Thank you so for all that. Fuck joke. you, Mrs. <laughs> Foley's baby boy. Go fuck yourself, Michael Francis Foley. You fuck. Uh, this is getting right back to him, given our reach on this podcast. Absolutely. So, you we'll heard that. be prepared for uh, the letter in the mail from the lawyers. <laughs> My number five, then, continuing my horror trend, is an Australian film, Wayne. So fucking hold Holy your britches because this film is incredibly effective. It comes from two YouTube brothers, guys who just made YouTube shorts. Tubers, okay. And somehow got the no. budget together to put this together. No, Wayne hates, uh, sorry, Jason hates this one. All right, fair enough. It's Talk To Me. Talk- I hear a lot of shit about this show. Talk To Me is a very fine impressively made film with an excellent central performance by Sophia, is it? Yeah, Sophie Wilde. And it follows teenagers doing fucking stupid teenagery things. And I relate to this one very, very well because as a teenager, I would do stupid shit like seances. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is a very, very close equivalent thereof. There is this sculptured hand which has all these runes and etchings on it and someone works out basically that it's doing the rounds in Adelaide. They live in Adelaide oh somewhere. Oh my God, it's set in Australia. Yeah. Wow. And if you grab this hand and say, talk to me, then you are possessed for, well, you become possessed by a spirit and then everyone else starts communicating with this spirit that's in your body. All right. And it's like a drug. So it's a metaphor for drug use. It's all of that stuff. And then some of the imagery in this, some of the edits are really, really effective in terms of what the person who grabs the hand is seeing is really great. Some of the makeup effects. And then the journey this main character goes on through the course of the film really won me over. And it has a really well-earned ending that I obviously won't spoil here. And it starts with an awesome one-shot, which is going to be the subject of the prequel film, which is inevitably going to be made because it's made absolute bank. And it is A24's most successful horror film ever made so really? or ever produced Jason obviously hated this one Wayne's not seen it so we'll just go across yes, to Jason go ahead, Jace. counterpoint what was your problem with this film <laughs> apart from the fact you hate Australians I, <laughs> this was one of the most overrated movies oh. of the year I sat down and I watched it and it was a perfectly fine three star movie nothing Gosh. remarkable about it an interesting premise some decent execution in certain sequences I thought it was overly. I thought it was overly long. I thought it was boring. I didn't think it was scary, and I, I thought it had a couple of good moments. The moment with the brother, yes. some of the stuff with the brother, I thought was pretty harrowing. I thought the ending I saw coming a mile yeah, away. Yeah, that's fine. It, but it ended um, narratively appropriately. 
this wasn't a bad movie, but people talked about it as if this was like Paul. Like this is one of the greatest horror movies of the it's year. Not one of the, it's it is one of the greatest horror movies. Mediocre year. through and through. But you're going <laughs> to bloody hell hate my next choice. But anyway. I hated all these. Yeah. Look, this is not for you, Wayne. And it's not for anyone who doesn't like horror movies. But um, I'm a little saddened that Jason didn't enjoy this one. I, I think I am in the majority for once in that I appreciate this oh, one the way sure. most, most horror film fans seem to have. So yeah, talk to me. It's my number five. Wayne, over to you. Okay, folks. My number five. I've waited all year to do this, people. All goddamn yeah, year. Soundboard, then. Uh huh. My number five is the Flash. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa, 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 whoa! In the actual right. fuck. <laughs> Let me tell you all about this shit, okay? Lovely knowing you, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of the podcast. On the penis. So much. Let me tell you why. All right. So the Flash, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. Everything was against this movie. The lead star was an asshole. It had a bunch of like DC production problems. There was all kinds of crap going on with it. Now, let me tell you something. And shock horror, the film is shit. The film is... The <laughs> o- there's only one problem with this film. There's a single solitary problem with this film, and that is that the CGA sucks big hairy balls. Okay? No, no, that was deliberate, Wayne. That's what director Andy yeah, I Machete know. said. Look, he's trying to make a sale. He's trying to make a movie. Okay? Whatever. In every other way, this movie rocks. Okay? I had... I loved this film. You had like what motherfucking the fuck? dude, dude. All the shit that happened in the film. The only maybe possibly other issue is that the 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 dealing with the his mom's killer like was kind of cast by the wayside. Everything else, where it came to having Michael Keaton in there turn up again, having it work out, him. Uh, God, the, that's why. No, it's not just why. Another thing, like it's Michael a real sh- fucking Keaton. It is a real shame that that whole Michael Keaton coming back as Batman turned to shit after the Batgirl thing and the this thing and really, really mm-hmm. a squandered, horrible opportunity. Yeah, I, because, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, and then at the end of this film, not so much spoilers, but the actual moment they give you, where they give, they bring all of these old universes together. And bring you the shit, and you're like, holy shit! Look at that. I actually was. Oh, yeah, you go, holy shit! I was freaking look out. At that. Yeah, it looked a bit shit, but the the them doing that, putting Supergirl next to Christopher Reeve, fucking Helen Slater. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? It's like it's made for old cunts like me. And it was, and I was like, this is the shit. I'm as equally an old cunt, and it definitely wasn't made yeah, for me. Yeah, but you're not. Like, you probably had sex in high school and stuff. I like superheroes, <laughs> Paul. Okay, so like, wait, I'm- whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what part of Dungeons and Dragons dungeon? Master, you're not here. It's a very good point. Somehow, I managed to straddle many divides. That's right. Yeah. Paul was the day one. He's a euphemism, ladies and gentlemen. If that was a Beyonder that appeared next to a whatever, whatever, uh, a beholder, I should say, yeah, I then say he would have been creeping. Again, remind I remind you all Whoa, that Dungeons and Dragons not on my list. <laughs> well, this is the Dragonborn. Thing, Whoa. <laughs> The, the the payoff at the end for anyone who was a DC fan was the tits. Like, I couldn't believe it was happening. And then at the very, very end, not only is that enough. Oh, fuck off. They drop some George Clooney on your ass. It's like, what? Spoilers. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm, but like, look, look, anyone who's... A piece of shit film, we shouldn't be on this list. Yo, this is like, I, I loved this film. And I absolutely stand behind the fact that if it had great CGI, if it had like really good CGI, it would have been f- f- great. Would have been a great you're, ass movie. You're Man, mocking suck me, on Eldie's veg balls. Eat my ass. So, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, I, I still maintain this is one of the best times I had of the movies this year. Oh, I can't deny that. You know, and so um, low standards and all. Yeah. <laughs> here, okay. Here, Wayne, I'm gonna back you up just a little bit. Oh, whoa, it's number four on Jason's list. <laughs> it's not on it's, list. Doesn't it's make my not. list at all. But I, I, I want to back him up a little bit because I think what he's getting at is actually true. This thing was mired in horrible press 
It was a part of a dead franchise. Totes. It, it was reshot and edited to shit 50 million ways from Sunday. They had no idea what direction the movies were going to take after this. Mm-hmm. This was going to be the beginning of the revitalized DCU, And then before it even came out, they decided to scrap the whole thing. And they neutered everything else. They weren't going to put Batgirl out. So they couldn't do stuff that was going to connect with that. So it's a mess. And the CGI is terrible. But I think if you look at this, that this is coming out during the 100th anniversary of Warner Brothers and X amount of anniversaries of Warner Brothers and DC being you know synonymous, essentially. Mm-hmm. And bringing back kind of the original theatrical Batman and all of this stuff. And then celebrating the entire history of DC Comics on screen in the third act. Putting that within the Flashpoint Paradox made absolute sense. Yeah. It was the sort of thing conceptually on a storyboard and it's also the sort of thing like in 1995 anybody who read comic books would would have dreamed of and never could have imagined there would ever be a movie that would bring chris chris reeve superman and bring um george reeve superman Mm. and bring all of these different characters all these different iterations together at one time the biggest problem with the movie is that the execution just isn't there visually and then the third act really falls apart. That's when you feel the meddling. Uh-huh. And that's when it, that whole battle sequence is atrocious. I think there's a middle portion of this movie that actually kind of works. I, I thought the um, going to Serbia uh, to get her, they try to like, because you think mm-hmm. it's going to be yep. like Red Sun Superman, but instead it's Supergirl. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, I thought Michael Keaton slipped right back into this fucking role. Yeah. Like he hadn't missed a beat and was like, Jesus He's Christ, couldn't we have just got like, why didn't we just get like his another Batman movie with him in it? You know well, what I mean? Doc like, Batman, Doc Nock Returns. Yeah, why didn't we get this other bullshit? Would have fantastic with him. In, oh, this is Someone the thing. Or Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond. Which was that's the rumor that, that they're going to do that with him and some yeah. other guy. But like the, the well, would have been great. He's got it. And, the problem and, but was anyway. the super the Supergirl thing. Like if if they they were going to have Henry Cavill in there, then they had to switch out to Supergirl, which means they had to do what they did with that character, right? Which is Capper. And then, then it became like, I believe yeah. that is the actual problem it had. I reckon if they had whatever their initial script was, if it was allowed to go on, it's like, you know, okay, we have Superman here. He's going to do another movie. It would have been even better. But like, yeah, the fact remains, I just had such a great time with it. So I know I'm in the minority on this one, but uh, I, had, I had to tell people. I think it's a mess, right, but man. I don't actually think it's as bad as everybody says it is. Agreed. I think we're we're reacting to superhero fatigue, DC fatigue, bad CGI fatigue. I think the movie, in a a vacuum unto, Ezra Miller fatigue, in a vacuum unto itself, it's not as, it's not great, but it's not as bad. There's a lot to enjoy about it. And I also, I found um, that last sequence with him and his mom, uh, oh, that was great. Goes back in the shopping center. I, I thought that was very effective. And I was like, God damn! Like there was, there's a good movie in here somewhere. Y'all just <laughs> destroyed this thing. So I agree. I I, I support you, Wayne, a little bit. Thanks, well, I, I do want to emphasize. It wasn't like on my worst ten films of the year list. No, I just I'm stunned. It's so high here for you. So yeah. that's <laughs> tell, about, tell about enjoyment on on this. On well, the uh, ultimately it is. We're we're not saying these are the best ten films yeah. of the year. We're saying these are the ten films that we enjoy. No, we are. Probably, these probably are the ten. No, no, no. These oh, are. Sh- no, sh- no. We'll get cancelled, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was fours. I guess we're around to threes, am I right? Um, no, no, that was fives. Now we're at no, fours. We're at fours. Right long. Yeah, we're at fours. Jason, what's your number four? I know you guys are going to talk about it later on. This is my no- so I'll be brief. This was my number one throughout most of the year. It got bumped down because there's three other movies that I thought were slightly better than it. I thought this movie was great, if not a little bit overly long. But I think the last 
hour of the film is perfect. Yes. It's John yes. Wick chapter four. Yes, slow, but yes. Also, my number four. Oh, okay, yeah. good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's here. Yes, it's probably Paul's number, like fucking. You'll say seven. You'll say <laughs> it's, it's, You'll say where it comes. Uh, please or tell where us I about, did. about John Wick four. What is it that you dug about it, and how did it compare to you the much better John Wick three? The most important thing, which is the, that last hour. You said the last hour was perfect. It's perfect. It's one. It's perfect filmmaking from like an action direction perspective. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. It's inventful. It harkens back to silent film. It harkens back to it is. It's it's a celebration of filmmaking. It goes beyond action movie making. You can tell it is a leap and bound uh, growth on the ha- behalf of Chad Stahelski, who started off as a B movie stunt guy. Yep. From straight to video movies, and is now he like this is him actually being a, like a true blue director, not just an action director, true blue director. It wears his inspirations on its sleeve, and it very proudly does so. And I thought um, it, was, it was just a perfect last hour. I thought that dragon's breath sequence. Oh my god! That borrows, Dude, borrows from that um, stunning isometric point of view through the walls. Incredible. So it's just that last hour is just is, you know, maybe the best hour of in the entire John Wick series. And that's saying something. The bar set very high. I 100% agree with that statement. I think the last hour of this film is the best hour of action cinema since The Raid. So in the last yeah, 12 years, basically. I think The Raid was 2011. I was halfway through this film, I'm like, this is good. This is good. I'm enjoying it. But a little bit like yeah. I was with Mission Impossible, I feel like it's not as good as what's come before it. How good John Wick Chapter yep. Three was. Three was my favorite. Obviously, man. the number, the first John Wick was just incredible in 2014, and then you know people's mileage on the number two varies a little bit. I still love it. I think all three of them are wonderful, wonderful films. But then it was almost like they they put all the cues in the rack and just waited to bring them all out in that last yeah. hour and just said, "You think you've seen some good shit?" And there was some good shit early in the film, wasn't? wasn't um, as good as Donnie Yen. Everything Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen, of course. That whole sequence with Donnie Yen is in the first hour. Hold your horses. Here we go. From the moment that he steps out on in that roundabout around the Arc de Triomphe, from that point on to the end of the movie is incredible. And everything, the way Jason just said, I'm not going to repeat the same thing. But I had that biggest shit-eating grin on my face from that point forth, which did not end. Even with the way the film ends, I'm like, I'm okay with this. I think thematically it works. I think... It ends the way you yeah. wanted to end. Well, uh, the way, almost the way it had to end in some at some level, but it's maybe still, yeah. But it's still you just never know, and that's the that's the cleverness of never that know. of that final yep. point. And Donnie Yen's character now, like I would love a, a, a Wick plus Yen film series now. Like, just those two fucking laying waste would we're, be incredible. You're getting Yen plus the daughter from um, we are there, that is official. I know we're getting yeah. the ballerina film with Ana de Armas, so that in the John Wick universe that's coming. Sometime this year, so look, look out for that one. We'll be on the docket for the I'm show. I'm definitely on the, for that one. The the you know what though, what was good about this film because all about the whole wait till John Wick Five comes along, and then you I read about Chad Stahelski said, look, I don't know what we're doing after this, but I'm I'm doing this film the way that I think it should end, which is the way it ends. No spoilers for anyone there, and and they just committed to that. So if if anything happens after this f- film, they'll have to write around. Whatever they're saying. The story goes that they get together when it comes out in Japan. Japan, for those who don't know it or probably care because, you know, there's zero people in Japan listen to our show. It gets everything late. Every major release, unless it's simultaneous around the world, Japan, for whatever strange reason, gets everything months after the rest of the world. So weird. 
it's the last market that it opens in. And so Keanu and Chad would, will meet on the Japanese premiere. They'll attend the red carpet. And then they'll go back to the, apparently, this is the way it works. They go back to their hotel room and they sit down and go, all right, are we doing another one? Yeah. So at the time yep. of writing where I read these articles where they acknowledged that it hadn't opened in Japan yet. So who knows? Wow. Still. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. Because three was supposed to be like, they were like, he was like, I don't have any more ideas. I'm done. And Keanu was like, I can live with that. I'm done. And then they saw each other a little bit later and Keanu was like, so one more. And then he was like, yeah, I think I got this idea. And it, the idea that he had was this, the, the stair sequence, <laughs> which is a and cool cause well. he had, he'd gone back and he'd gone back and watched him like Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin stuff. And he was like, Ooh, I think I want to do that. And he thought, and so they built the whole movie around that last, that last set piece. Mm. Uh, even beyond that, I thought the duel itself and the turnabout of all of that, it was normally I see that stuff coming a mile away and I just, I couldn't quite figure out what the play was or that if there even was a play. And it really kind of had me on the edge of my seat. And yeah. then the, then bam. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even, even though, um, what's his face? Pennywise had a completely Bill ridiculous Scott's French guy. accent. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. It almost worked by the end. You're like, this guy's ridiculous. You know? <laughs> it was hateable villain. That is for sure. All right. How, number four. Wait, hang on a second. How, oh. one more thing, Paul. Sorry. How, and Wayne, how, how smart is it to introduce a character into the movie whose goal is to make a certain amount of money so he becomes plot armor for your main character to get, so there's a logical reason within the script why that guy doesn't, the main character doesn't get killed by yeah. the entire planet. Yeah, that's, that's good. Perfect. That was so uh, yeah, smart. Yeah, good call, good call. I do appreciate and agree with that. All right, so here's where we're going to disagree. Jason, from memory anyway, this is my favorite horror movie of 2023. It's the last horror movie on my list, so you can all rest easy. I had them all bunched in here in the, in the middle that. realm together. <laughs> my number four is the latest sequel in what I think is the finest horror film franchise that we have running today. It's Evil Dead Rise, directed by Lee Cronin. Oh, Jason's shrugging his shoulders. He's not incensed, but he's not happy either. So I'm just happy I have one of these ones that I've seen. Yeah, look, maybe. I watched this again. So a little bit like you went, but I didn't fast forward to the good bits. <laughs> I eat the gore bits. I watched the whole film again. I'm like, is it as good as I remember? I had such a good fucking time with this movie. And I've never had a bad time with anything that's canon in the Evil Dead franchise. I still haven't watched the last season of Ash vs. Evil Dead because I still don't want to let it go. But I love... That TV show, I loved every single one of these films, including the 2013 reboot, which unfortunately didn't really lead to anything, though we were led to believe that it might. And now this one seems to have reinvented things. And what I love about it is it takes the existing canon and builds upon it in a really clever way. So there's now three Necronomicons or three versions of Necronomicon, and this is one of them and what's going on there. I think the opening sequence at the lake is fantastic. And as much as people have whinged and moaned that, oh, they didn't do enough with the fact that it's in a high-rise tower, it didn't become demons or demon, uh, demon... Literally, the first Demons, Demons 2 was... Yeah, Demons. Demons which 2. was in the high-rise, which one was in the, the cinema? I forget. Demons 2. Demons, demons 2, yeah. 2. Didn't do it's, Demons yeah. 2. It should have done more with that. It should be more characters and whatever. I get it. This film wasn't made for fucking $100 million. It was made for like 20 or 25 or whatever it was. So they didn't have the budget. Gore's incredible. Alyssa Sutherland, I think, is the name of the mum in the... And she's an Australian actress... She's fantastic phenomenal as unfortunately you know if you've seen the poster and all the rest of it mommy's with the maggots now mm. like just that shit is is creepy as fuck the gore is incredible and the film has the balls to go places with these characters that 
a lot of franchises, particularly safe, if I can call that horror film franchises, won't. Blumhouse wouldn't touch this fucking film with a with a long pogo stick. It's yeah. Bloodthirsty, it's gory. You saw it, Wayne. I and know, I remember yeah. you not hating it. You're like, for what it was, it was what it was. Yeah, not yeah. my thing. Yeah. And if it can, a, a, an absolute horror hater like Wayne can watch that film and go, I can see what this film is doing and doing it well. Mm. You know it's well made. It's exceptionally well made. I think it's well written and it's reasonably well performed apart from Melissa Sutherland who's fantastic. I think the kills are good even though they cut away from a couple of them that happen out in the hallway. But otherwise, I love this movie, Evil Dead Rise. If you're a horror film fan, what are you snoozing on? Get on it. Uh, nothing to say. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. All right, good. Wayne, your number four. Four was John Wick four. John Wick four, of course. Oh, appropriately placed, arguably. Jason, number three. I don't. I used to be a stand for this man, this director. I don't like his movies very much anymore. I think he's. I don't want to say he's a one-trick pony because it's not accurate. I think he actually is a very talented director, but I think. Like all directors, he has crutches that he falls back on. In particular, if he writes the screenplay, he's not as interested in characters and conveying emotion through performance and through dialogue as much as he is saying, okay, let's speed run through that. I'll get somebody to make uh, a very um, emotive score. I'll lay it under the scenes and we'll, we'll just do montages. And that is, of course, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, okay, here he is. I was we go. so late to the party to Oppenheimer, didn't want to see it, didn't care about it, bought tickets for it multiple times, canceled multiple times, really? finally came out on streaming, hit play on the thing, didn't like the first hour, was like, this is, not, I don't understand it. Hour two, hour three. And it wouldn't have worked without the first hour, but this, the second part I thought was, Absolutely phenomenal. Completely sucked me into the story of a filmmaker I don't care for anymore, of a story I didn't care for, of a movie I was actively resisting and wanting wow. to kind of hate. And by the end of it, I was like, I, it's undeniable. This was a great, very well-told story as exceptionally important, obviously, for the fate of the world. I do think Robert Downey Jr.'s performance wasn't that great, and I don't understand why Ooh. he's getting all these nominations. Okay. There's your controversy. I, I thought he was the weakest part of the movie. But other than that, I thought it uh, fantastic film. What about our four and five? <laughs> because this movie went on for seven or eight days. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you don't like it. I've heard you talk about it so long. And well, he, another, I've heard the jokes. Do you know what? Like, I, and it's I, true. I, yeah. No, I'm, yeah, I'm but in it, the minority it, here. It engrossed me. Yeah, I mean, this thing. No, well, I think we're in the minority we're here. We're in the minority. You know what happened with. Um, I wouldn't say I bumped into anything other than the length of the movie, but like the the first half, I thought that was the that was the bit that was more like engaging for me. And then Ooh, when it turned mm, into a courtroom drama, interesting. Like yeah, it sort of became like the second thing was just like it, it's almost like to me it's like all right, you've told the story about how it came into being. You see the big blast. You see all this stuff. It's beautiful looking. But like with every Nolan film, there's nothing technically wrong with it at all. Like, well, other yeah. than the dialogue usually or the, the sound levels of that, but not this film. Oh yeah, was fine. sorry, yeah. Fine. yeah, you're right. Um, but then and then I'm like, okay, we're done with that movie, and now it's like, okay, now here's all of the stuff that happened afterwards, which was important, showing how people felt about having dropped a bomb and killing all these people, all these people thrown up and whatever. Um, <laughs> but then it became, then it became like you know a courtroom drama kind of for me, and I was like. And I know it harkened back to the beginning where they were doing that deposition thing with her and all that sort of stuff, but I was like, all right. I don't know. It just didn't hit for me. Like, I, I can, actually. Can I posit of... a theory? Yeah, please. The second half of the movie is pretty much all about 
both literally, I'm using that as a metaphor for um, America and American geopolitics and, Amer mm, and okay. the culture of the United States and what it created in our country. And I think, um, I don't want to say like you not being American didn't no, get I think it, you're but right. I don't think it, I, I don't think you, I don't Why think you would care. Hard. Yeah. Right. Whereas that, to me, I was like this, the second half of the movie is basically an indictment of the United States. There, I think you, I think you've hit nail on the head. I, I don't, I'm not close enough to it to yeah. have it affect me and, and sort it. of like identify right. with it so well. So that's a good, that's a really good call. Hmm. But I'll tell you this though, Nolan. Next thing Nolan does, it needs to be like proper engaging, and by that I do mean another spy thriller. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Nolan wants to win an Academy Award. His last one sucked, so I don't want another one. You know what? Funny thing about think about Tenet, right? I agree with you. I'm like, I what the fuck Tenet. happened with this film? We've done like three episodes on Tenet, yeah. right? And I'll tell you this Horror. though, I've I, seen I love it. I've seen Tenet seven fucking times because even though I have no idea what happened ever, right? I is Horrible. so fun to watch. Those two leads are sexy as hell. It's a really cool looking yeah. like action yeah. scene. It's really cool, but I don't understand it. But I'll watch it over and over. That won't <laughs> that won't happen with Oppenheimer. No, so that's it's very dry. I think it's fair to say it's very dry. But obviously, the technical aspects and the performances of the film winning people over. Killian Murphy almost seemingly killed himself to to look like Oppenheimer. And yeah. dear God, does he? Yeah, that's frightening. Oh, yeah. The length he would go to for it. So I, I totally agree with his nominations. I think my review at the time, which was a, you know, it was a it was a three star film for me. I can't fault it. This is not for me. One hundred percent at that level. Like I, I understand this is great filmmaking, and I said it will be nominated for all the Academy Awards. We'll see how many it wins, and it, and I think we're not there yet. But given the Golden Globes and he's gonna get his fucking some of the Oscar, other awards, bro. I would be very surprised if if Nolan doesn't win. If either it doesn't win best best picture or at least he wins best director. So and I think Killian Murphy. As much as I'd like to see Paul Giamatti win based on my earlier comments about the holdovers, I think Killian Murphy is the person to beat in this yeah, particular yeah. role. So understand why it's there for you, Jason. I, 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 I'm going to avoid controversy other than to say this. If you think it's a mistake this movie came out the year before our, our next presidential election, you are You're wrong. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Fair to say. Interesting. All right, that was your number three. My number three is a film we just reviewed on the show. It has the... Release date of late last year around the territories. It came out to stream on January 4th here, so I might be playing a little bit of jazz, but it will be forgotten if I leave this film until the end of 2024. Keep going. But I don't want to. It's Society of the Snow. Oh. Don't know. Jason, have you caught this one yet? I've only seen your review on Letterboxd. I have no idea what this movie even is. Enlighten me, Paul. So basically, Wayne didn't like this anywhere near the way that I did. I mm. gave it a full 20 points higher than he did, so it's nowhere near his list. And that doesn't happen very often in this in this uh, no, Paul never scoring yeah, system. Things. It is directed by J.A. No. Bayona. It's based on a book off the survivors of the 1972 crash in the Andes Mountains from a Uruguayan rugby team and a few other people who were on this little chartered oh. plane. It's a retelling and of Alive. It's a retail, well, that's, that's doing a disservice. Yeah. Alive is a Hollywood version of these events which yes. never took yes. place. But it is other the than the story. crash and the cannibalism. This is the true account thereof. And... The vast majority of these guys who survived are still alive to this day and they have given their ringing endorsement of this film as being, that's as close as you're ever going to get. Forget everything else that came before it. Mm -hmm. It is brutal, harrowing, beautiful and it's inspirational in terms of what these mostly young men do in order to survive and it will lift your, your heart and soul whilst crushing you in other places. It's beautifully filmed. Some of the shots are stunning. And the developments, if you don't know, and I didn't know the particulars of the story, are 
genuinely shocking and surprising. I was completely moved by this movie and that doesn't happen very often and that's why it is my number three. I don't want to say any more than that. I might be building it up too much already Such a surprise. for Jason. Yeah. But I, I love this movie and I'm, I'm glad that a better version of what we saw in Alive, which was much more sensationalised and, you know... It's American. It was in the 90s, you know. Yeah, and I, I get it. You know, it, We have to sell tickets. Well, this isn't bothering me selling tickets. It wants to tell the story and it tells the truth of what took place. Hmm. Like I, said, I, I wrote it down. I'll, I'll check it out, guys. I wrote it down. Um, Society of the Snow. But I put down here, inspired Paul to towards cannibalism. That's what yes. I <laughs> Watch your asses, literally. Okay, wait, what's your number three? The choices these young men make are inspirational, was the quote. (laughs) And it gave me some cooking tips. (laughs) All right. Uh, All the asses, man. My number three is Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Wow. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned before. I don't remember you loving this film that much. Yeah, you know why? Because... And again, this is uh, my Darth of good movies this year. Put <laughs> something like like because Oppenheimer's not on my list. I've seen my fifteen list. films. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> I've seen at least twenty <laughs> cunt lips. So, <laughs> um, uh, but yes, Guardians. Like in terms of like, so there's no basically very few good except for the Flash superhero movies this year. I still like them. People talk about superhero fatigue. I don't suffer from it, people. I still like movies that are about this Clearly shit. Clearly, the Flash is on his fucking list. Well, look, superheroes are not actually a super... I think I believe heroes, superheroes are just an archetype. It's not actually a genre, okay? Because everyone wants to see someone doing particularly cool shit that you most people couldn't do. Like James Bond. Like whoever else, all right? Superheroes, to me, it's a little nebulous in terms of what exactly it is. You Some have powers, some don't. I don't know. I'm mindful of the edit I have to do on this, so I'm not going to take you to task on all that right, stable. Let's move on. <laughs> Put it this way. I loved the film... But I have such a problem with animal cruelty and the way that that figures into this film Mm. that I find it hard to watch. But the actual film itself, in what it does, this is how you say goodbye to a franchise. And you've got Mm. James Gunn, who actually did all of, you know, he's been through all this shit with Marvel, getting cancelled, this, that, whatever. Mm -hmm. He still did a great job on this. I actually am really, really looking forward to what he does with the DCU, because... Uh, this is the one guy who's probably smarter than everyone else in terms of getting things executed in a way that actually makes them work. And I think that's the real X factor for a producer, for a director, for a movie maker. If you've got... If Nolan has it in spades, all right? He's the guy who does stuff that's almost ridiculous, but somehow it works and somehow it makes money. I think James Gunn is going to be that guy too, hopefully for the DCU. But for this film here, yeah, I abs- I, I, it, it made me remember how much I thought the first one was perfect. It's just that I couldn't watch Racket, Rocket get you know, tortured again to, to see it over and over and over again because that's usually how I, I judge a good superhero movie. I want to keep watching it, but this was great. Well, you could just fast forward to the good bits. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole way action scene. Uh, that in right, that thing, that, that might have been the best piece of action James Gunn's ever done in his career. Sure. Like, holy shit. So, you know, there you go. On your list, Jason? Not on my list. Very good film. Like you said, perfect ending for all. For This is this is how you end a trilogy. This right. is how you end a franchise. This is how you say goodbye to characters. Some who will be back, some who won't be back for a while, and some who may never come back. Mm-hmm. Excellently done. All right, cool. All right, number twos then. Getting down to the business end of things with Jason. What is the second best film you saw in 2023 released in 2023? Godzilla Minus One. We already discussed it, so we can move along. There it is. And we can move along as well because my number two is John Wick colon chapter four. Then we can move along once more because mine is Dead Reckoning. (laughs) Mission Impossible. Wow. Yeah, man. You know I love me some Tom shit. All right. Word. (laughs) But okay. All right, then. So, Jason, run us through your list. Ten through two and then reveal your best film of 2023. 
Coming number 10, When Evil Lurks. Coming at number 9, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Number 8, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Number 7, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Number 6, Barbie. Number 5, The Iron Claw. Number 4, John Wick, Chapter 4. Number 3, Oppenheimer. Number 2, Godzilla, Minus 1. And number 1, Scorsese's Killers of wow. the Flower. Oh, 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 did this is another movie that I thought... God dang, how long is this going to be? I went into it very reluctantly. I'm a, I'm a Scorsese guy like most of his movies. He, I mean, he's Marty. I mean, he just is who he is. Uh, and he's a genius and the last of his ilk. Yep. By the end of this movie, first of all, I mean, Lily Gladstone's performance is incredible. Yep, agreed. Uh, the attention to detail for production design. I've grown to appreciate the very unique. I'm not quite sure if he's good, but he is... Interesting, Leonardo DiCaprio, especially when he's paired with Scorsese. I thought his character of Ernest in this movie and the duplicity of his nature. He's good. Um, he's I mean, good. You want to talk about the decimation of a people um, for nothing, for dirt, for mud, mm -hmm. for, greed, for money, and, which is obviously deeply, deeply a part of the fabric of the United States. It all, I mean, it's just. Whew, unrelentingly sad movie. And then yep. in the end, when he chooses to sort of break the fourth wall, but not really, I think it was one of the boldest fucking things I've seen a director do in a long time, which is basically come out and say, Hey folks, uh, I kind of really had no business to tell this story, but I try to tell it the best that I could. And if I didn't make it, nobody was going to. So I hope somebody else tells other parts of this story or stories like this. Cause uh, I am not going to be around forever. And then when he actually reads her actual obituary and just how short and even in her death, how she was just like forgotten, uh, that the, all of these events that we've seen were just sort of a byline in the newspaper at some point. She was just this tossed away person is incredibly sad. It is in, and it speaks to essentially what our nation and our culture has done to indigenous peoples, first nations, peoples where, you know, over 100 some treaties. We broke every single one of them. Smallpox blankets. We committed genocide. There's no other way around it. And mm -hmm. um, and continue to do that to this day with reservations and the you know, systematic poverty we keep folks in who are uh, of Native ancestry. So hard, hard, hard movie to watch. Uh, and excellent. I mean, the fact that this guy is so old and <laughs> still able to make real movies. That's is amazing, isn't staggering. it? Staggering. Like it gives yeah. us hope, for and the and De Niro finally not doing a straight to video piece of shit performance or bad comedy. Performance. <laughs> he actually showed up. It was this was I, this may very well be the last true blue De Niro performance as basically the devil incarnate. Yep, yeah, would agree. So it was it was it was the whole thing was sort of like um, almost like a, a an elegy for Scorsese and De Niro themselves at the same time. So uh, very effective. I think it's interesting that. Lily Gladstone is rightly getting lots of plaudits and lots of nominations and accolades, and she won the Golden Globe. But that seemingly Leo nor Bobby are nominated at all, particularly with Bobby. Well, and Leo, I it's not. Leo has a weird relationship with the yes, the awards. I, I would agree. But for I, I yeah, found De his Niro's character the, odd, the least See, captivating in that, and yet he's kind of the central performance. But De Niro, I thought, was as you say, chilling in this movie. 
Um, Chilling. Yeah, it, politically, Oscar's wise, a movie like this, about a subject like this, you don't nominate the white men. <laughs> well, no, you absolutely <laughs> you know nominate, I mean? but you can nominate all of the above. Absolutely. You don't have to just be about yeah, yeah, yeah. Gladstone. Yeah. So, And look, yeah. not we can't sit here in, in judgment of what you've described about the American history, given we have our own history exactly. with Indigenous Australians, so, and we can't even vote in them to have a voice in Parliament. But anyway, not to go any further down that road. Surprise, Jason, by number one, but thank you for it. I guess it's my turn then for it, to remind everyone. My number 10, The Holdovers, nine, Barbie, eight, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one, seven, When Evil Lurk, six, No One Will Save You, five, to Jason's absolute joy, Talk to Me, four, <laughs> Evil Dead Rise, four, sorry, three, Society of the Snow, two, John Wick, chapter four. And my number one was never in doubt for the moment that I watched this movie. It is absolutely the most visually stunning film that I've ever seen in a cinema. I've never sat there with my jaw agape so far for so long at some of the shots that are here. I've watched it twice. The only film I saw twice at the cinema, it is this year, Spider-Man colon Across the Spider-Verse as my number one. What more can I say about this movie? I love the absolute it's so fucking good. shit out of it. The From the different animation styles representing the different Spider-Man people, and their different spider universes to the way it brings it all together to Miles Morales as a character, the voice acting, but it's the visual stylings here. That scene where he and you know, Spider-Gwen are hanging upside yep. down, looking out over the New York skyline. Perfection. The way this film opens with just... It's actually Spider-Gwen's story for like the first act at least, right? She's talking about mm-hmm. it, she starts drumming and she's doing a voiceover and I'm like, this is really cool. When you see the from the first movie, I didn't think that there was a way to be visually as interesting, as innovative, as forward-looking as you could, as that film, because that does things like puts like you know comic code like dot kind of animation and things like that in there. And it's like wow, I've never seen anything like that. How are you going to step up from that? Here's how I you did. step up from that. And I did. Uh, this is. Very few films. Bro. Th- th- After I watched the second time, I bumped it to five stars. Because it's the balls, man. Like, there's actual moments in this in this film where the style jumps from basically a watercolor kind of motif to more of a comic-y motif to, like, a, a, a sketch motif. Wayne bang, being bang, the bang. artiste here. Yeah, but, like, for that to happen all in one film and make it work is... It's so visually jarring for a viewer that only a real kind of genius can make that work in terms like as, as as an art director like and for that to happen in a way that actually keeps you in the movie and keeps you thinking it's cool and keeps you like loving and wanting to be with the characters and uh, that's and, and for me people's big problem with this film is it's only half of a movie that it ends and it just sort of it needed to go on and that would that left people disappointed but i knew this was the second film yeah. in a three film and i knew that the first <laughs> this one was going to follow straight on so i guess if you didn't know that i can understand why that was annoying at the end but Back for me i'm just like fine we got to where we need to i am so fucking in for whatever the last one's called beyond the spider-verse i think is that this year it was meant to be but then the writers and the actors strike happened so it's been come pushed. on it's man. off the radar now it's meant to be march which wasn't that big a long time to wait, but now it won't get to 2025, I believe. Man, we need to get that shit done. Like, I... And for a guy who has, absolutely, first to acknowledge, I have superhero fatigue in spades. This is but something this different. thing transcends it. I bought Spider-Man 2, the game when it came out for PlayStation, was stunned at how good that was as well. That is an incredible series of games. And it's all, my love of... Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is now my favorite superhero. Would never have been that before these two films and that, that game. Yeah? 
He was mine when I was a kid as well, before Batman. Sure. So, you know, just like that. So that's why it's my number one, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Jason, you're just nodding, so you're not upset by this choice? I'm not. Um, I I would say, like, I think um, the first one is a five-star film, and I think this one is, I probably would have originally rated it like a three-and-a-half-star <gasps> film. Really? Wow. Maybe. Maybe, maybe I bump it to a four only because I think the last, the style, obviously, a visual presentation. I actually think the last, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the movie are probably my favorite part of it. Yes. Um, so I, and that includes the ending, that includes the cliffhanger. So I was not, I knew, obviously, I knew it was a part two. I love all of these characters. I felt that there was, there's almost too much and there wasn't, there wasn't enough time for all the characters to breathe, and I love Miles and his family, and yes. I feel like they almost uh, were just kind of set pieces to get to the next film, and you know to set up danger with the the family. I don't feel like we got to spend nearly as much time with those characters because we were spending so much time with everybody else. Oh, really? Introducing that, even God, more, even nuts. more Spider Men, and um, I just wasn't as wild. By the contingent of new Spider Men, I didn't. I didn't think the Spider Punk. I did. It just didn't work for me. Okay. I didn't hate it. It just. I just. I didn't care. That first movie got me to care about every incarnation of Spider Man, even Spider Ham. You know. <laughs> and so when those people reappear at the end with Gwen to try to find where what universe Miles is in, it just brought like tears to my eyes, and I was good because yes, these these are the characters on. I wanted the whole time. And you'll get them. And so okay. I, it was, this was almost too too much of a good thing. So all right, all right. That spider punk thing that was a swing for the fences. What they did with that, I'm like, it what was. The yeah. And it's I think it largely worked, but I'm like, wow, that was great. Mind you're holding this back, but it's time to reveal your number one because if it's, this film didn't make your list, and some of these other pieces of shit did, <laughs> holy shit, man. Yeah, look, I'll just tell you, it is my number one. Oh, thank God. All right, so I'll just whip through mine. Ten was bottom. <laughs> Nine was Megan Megan. Uh, eight was Dungeons and Dragons. Seven was Air. Six was Godzilla minus one. Five, The Flash. Four, John Wick four. Three, Guardians of the Galaxy three. Two, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. And one was this one. So there you go. Thank all that is pure. The podcast continues. Hooray. <laughs> Any honorable mentions then, therefore, Jason, for from your list? The Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse at Bottoms. Bottoms, there we are. Mentioned already. So I had a bunch. I had Missing, which was the screen-based thriller. Mm. I had The Creator, which I think was visually absolutely incredibly really? stunning. The, it was visually amazing. The story was just a bit too rote. Turned too to many conveniences. Yeah. Uh, Jason hates this movie, but Scream 6. <laughs> How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Worst of the series. <laughs> Worst of the series. Damn. Godzilla Minus One. Megan. Totally killer. And Wayne hated this movie, but The Killer was also... Totally killer! Top. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. Good fun. I didn't hate oh. The Killer. But it was like <laughs> that's the one that's incensed Jason. Excellent. I'm glad we got there eventually. Uh, so what you did? Wait, you said, like or are you saying the killer or I said totally both, killer? Both totally killer and the killer. Totally killer was dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> what the that. fuck? There you go. Like he didn't make my list. All right. Well, with that controversy as the last of the honorable mention mentions, let's get into your feedback on the topic at hand in the segment that we call the Pop Ten. Talk about. Talk about. Kicking off your feedback on this week's topic with Jared Demeza, who's been on the show a couple of times. JD. Number three, John Wick 4. Number two, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Number one, to Jason's absolute chagrin. Talk to me. Wow. Stop looking at my list, Jason. 
<laughs> Jonathan Kidd said Godzilla Myers won at number three. No one was more shocked than me, but this rocked. Wayne, you'll be like this one. Number two, The hmm. Killer. I love movies about an elite perfectionist who only fucks things up. And number one, The Holdovers. This is chicken soup on a snowy day in movie form. Really? I like that description. That's good. Jonas Lander said, number three, Dungeons and Dragons, colon, Honor Among Thieves. Better than it had any right to be. He wrote the colon, by the way. <laughs> number two, Godzilla, no colon, minus one. And number one, Spider-Man, colon, across the Spider-Verse. So, You're getting up my colon, son. <laughs> Damn. All right. <laughs> Timothy Williams said, number three, Evil Dead Rise. Love the opening. Number two, Air. Massive NBA Jordan fans. This was right up my alley. And number one, by a mile, The Holdovers. The performances by the three leads are fantastic. This is probably my favorite film. In the past few years. What a fucking love. Mm. Some love for that one. Mina Harker, aka Dan, said Barbie exceeded expectations. Number two, Nimona, very close to number one, except for number one, Dungeons and Dragons. Whoa. He also wrote Colin, Honor Among Thieves, is my only seven star rated film on Letterboxd. Boom. I, I had problems. I, I wasn't going to include that one because of all the heat I thought nope. I'd get, but a lot of people don't get so there you go. Smile Samani, so number three, Scrapper. Funny, touching story of a young girl struggling to connect with her estranged dad. Amazing performance by the 12-year-old Lola Campbell. Never even heard of that one, never. Jason? No, never heard of no, it. No. Number two, The Taste of Things. Food, food, and food. Oh, and there's romance in there as well. And number one, Smiley, keeping us all on our toes, The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. Beautiful story of a man who goes to post a letter to his dying friend but decides to walk the 700 kilometers to her side instead. Starting as an unassuming, humorous, typical little British film, becomes a wrenching examination of grief, guilt, and eventual closure. There Indie boy right there. There you go. Okay. You have listeners with taste. What business are they doing? I know. Yeah, exactly. Smiley. Fuck I don't know why they're here, Seriously. man. Etion Filion Savay said, number three, Jason the Iron Claw. Number two, Killers of the Flower Moon. Number one, Anatomy of a Fall. So there's a vote for Jason. Should we do the vote for this particular list? Nice. Nick Orton said, Air. Number three, nice surprise. Number two, Renfield. Woohoo. <laughs> Jason's just shaking. And once again, number one, Dungeons and Dragons. The trailer made it look so bad, I nearly didn't bother. Glad I did. Nice one. I like that. All right, last for you to wrap it up. Ben Burnham said, Godzilla minus one, number three. Thrilling you take on the icon with amazing visual effects. Number two, The Boy and the Heron. Spellbinding, layered, beautiful. Cartoon. And number one, Oppenheimer. Riveting story, splendid performances. Paul Tabone said, Guardians Galaxy Volume 3 at number three. Same with you, Wayne. Number two, Dungeon of Dragons, colon, also written, Honor Among Thieves. Stop fucking justifying yourself, well, Contox. Hey, I can't help it if the listeners have hey, got on board. And number one, Oppenheimer. So there you go there as well. Joel Zavara said number three, Leave the World Behind. Did you see that one, Jason? I like that like one. I feel like I did. I don't remember it. Netflix. 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 Yeah. yeah. Julia Roberts and don't Ethan, re- Ethan Hawke. Uh, no, uh, Sam, it's a Sam Eshmael movie. No, yeah. I haven't seen it. I, I, didn't li- I didn't mind it at all. Yep. Number two, Oppenheimer. And the first and only, I think, mentioned among listeners, number one, Saltburn. Have you seen it? I have. Is there a lot of cock in it? There is cock. Uh (laughs) There's cock. (laughs) Did Uh, you like it? Didn't care for it. Didn't do anything for it. Three stars. Didn't care for it. So it wasn't bad. Yeah, um, Yeah, same. Luke Alexander said, True Spirit at number three, The Swimmers at number two, and Fall at number one. I feel like Fall was the year before last, but I could be wrong. And then Aaron Lee, last one today, said, John Wick 4 at number three, Guardians at number two, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse as... There, number one. Thank there you, you are. Everyone got back to us. Sorry if you didn't get through all the feedback. We really, truly do appreciate it. And we also appreciate Jason. My man. Being here for almost two hours of this epic, epic runtime for this <laughs> raw recording. It's got to be by, like midnight, 1 a.m. where you at By now? the standards of our show, it's very, very long. By the standards of Jason's show, it's a really, really short episode. So I'm sure he's not too Just halfway there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, do tell. If I don't know already, now bloody well should. We've done a little thing together called The Slashes. 
which is another call yeah, out to, yeah. to that show that uh, has finished its first and perhaps only season. More to come on that discussion, at least behind the scenes from us. But yeah, how yeah. do the good folk find binge movies and what have you got planned for 2024? 2024 is a big year for uh, the show. But before I get to that, I just want to say that uh, truly from the bottom of my heart, I mean this very sincerely, uh, I have all the appreciation in the world for Paul and Wayne. Uh, when I first started the podcast, they were some of the first guests that we had on, and their listenership found our show uh, when we went on hiatus and decided to come back after almost two years. The only person who was in support of that and who encouraged me to come back was Paul. He's the guy. Uh, Paul was very, you, very encouraging and said, man, you got to do it. You got to come back, come back stronger than ever. And so... He gave me the courage and the the emotional support, honestly, truly, to to do it, because oh, it's uh, it's podcasting can be extremely taxing, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and frustrating, can. and all these things. Um, and Elvis the reward means, of Elvis doing, <laughs> yeah, Sorry, right. The re- the reward of doing the any sort of show or the people you meet along the way, and the two best people I've met along the way have been Paul and Wayne, and I can't thank you enough for everything you've done and um, the show, my show wouldn't exist. Certainly would never have charted in Australia or have the great audience of Australians that we do. If it weren't for the both of you, um, uh, I'm indebted to you both forever. So very thank kind, you very mate. Very kind. Incredibly, and- incredibly um, and unexpected. I have to say, Jason, normally I'm used to you giving me shit nonstop. <laughs> so I don't know what to do with this. I feel Dan, I feel like, you know, this is the little brother I, I have in the podcasting world. Who's actually, saying nice things about the older brother and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm <laughs> so glad. Yeah. So oh, yeah. glad you came back and I uh, continue to go from strength to strength and I am slightly sorry about Hellraiser 3. Okay, that's... <laughs> no, you're not. That's all right. Uh, you can find us on um, social media at Binge Movies on X at Binge Movies Lives on Instagram, patreon.com slash binge movies. All kind of stuff going on there. I do a little show with Paul and Megan Ooh. Kearns from um, Splitter Piece Theater called The Slashers where we did every year of the slasher boom from 80 to 84. And we went through the calendar and picked um, a wide range of slashers that came out. We've covered just about every, like probably about a, almost half of all slashers from the slasher. boom. <laughs> right. Maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit less, but it's, it's pretty it's close. And, um, and there was stuff that we left in the cutting room floor. Paul made me pare it down. We would have covered everything, everything. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I had my way. And he's like, this is not doable. And I've gotten so much praise for that show. After it was over, um, people came out of the woodworks. Other podcasters, nice. people I don't even know. Other podcasters, I don't know. Listeners, I don't know. And just said, hey, man, this is this is one of my favorite podcasts ever. Nice. And I, a bunch of ho- horror people reached out and said, this is the best horror movie podcast that's out there. And I'm thinking, well, where the hell were you? Yeah, where <laughs> we, 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 we were you? Now. <laughs> 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 but um, people are fi- still finding it. So you can find the slashers. All around the world. We're doing a binge movies draft this year. Uh, We have 25 spaces available. You pick a movie. We have four seasons per year. You pick a movie. You get one movie per season, one trade per year. um, The winner is going to get something special. Uh, I know what it is. I just hope I can afford it. And um, (laughs) especially if it's an international winner who wins, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to ship it to you, but I've I've got things in mind. So um, best place to find us. For all that kind of information is all over the internet. We're out there, and um, patreon.com slash binge movies will have more details. I'll appeal to the 5 or maybe 10% of, of you who haven't given binge movies a go and just say, get on board. There is Honestly, don't think there's any 
podcaster, indie podcaster out there works harder than Jason does, both in terms of the content that he watches as well as the production that goes into the episodes. I'm constantly amazed when you put out these little seven or eight minute things and how much effort has gone into making it sound the way that it does, Jason, as opposed to what we pretty much do here and try and do everything in in recording to <laughs> okay. minimize my editing. That, so. That's absolutely not true. So no? I wow, I know we're already over, Sounds great. here's what I'm going to say. In 2015, when I first got into podcasting, I went and I found a bunch of movie podcasts just randomly, whoever I could find. And most of them sounded like absolute dog shit. And some of those people are still around, and they still sound like dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. (laughs) But I found The Countdown just on iTunes. And I was like, this sounds like a radio show. To the point where you guys are like, oh, we're a part of the the podcast network he used to be a part of. I thought you were an Australian radio show for like the first five episodes that listened to him. Like, this oh, is incredible. That's all Paul's production. And then, uh, then I found you guys on Twitter and you had like 15,000 followers. And I'm like, this is, this must be a radio show. And instead it was just two best friends just doing it because they like each other and like to give each other shit and figure out like, <laughs> Oh my God, <laughs> if you could, if you could have that quality standard and just be two schmucks, Mm. in a bedroom somewhere and that's the bar that i have the minimum that i have to reach and so i've always tried to um attain to that bar well it's even there you guys set the standard because you've surpassed and go beyond like i said do check out binge movies don't snooze on the show and thank you again jason for being on wayne what are we doing next week for four five eight we're doing a show called the top 10 dumbest moments of 2023 (laughs) So yeah, bit of a pop culture news. Yeah, those get a bit weird though. Sometimes they can get a little political, but not usually. Not usually. Uh, no. probably yeah, a bit political. Well, yeah. we'll try not to get too too serious. But we'll be fun, and, and hence the word dumb. I think that's the that's right. The important descriptor there. So thank you again so much for joining us for this top ten films here. We hope you found some things to to go away and watch that maybe you've been surprised by or you're intending to get to. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Jason, for coming on. And this has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Uh, people can find Thank us you. through the usual. Just Google the countdown podcast. That'll do because we are very, very long. Uh, at least I am. We will. <laughs> My name's Paul. My name's Wayne. Oh, I'm Jason. <laughs> and, and this has been the soundboard. I stand resolute, motherfucker. Wayne on the flash. Yeah. Ridiculous. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> See ya. See ya.